0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Jones. Court Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. We are back after a week off. And better than ever, as Clint Shelf, the former Oklahoma State quarterback, my favorite Oklahoma State quarterback of all time, is going to do <laughs> it coming up in just a little while from right now. got a great chat with him that you will not want to miss. got our Big 12 breakdown as uh, we will... Try not to break any ties on today's show. And uh, we'll get Tom Foley later. We'll take a look around the NFL. Plenty to get to on today's show. Thanks for joining us, making us a part of your day. As Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, uh, I'm fresh off a trip to Lawrence uh, where life is still good. And I feel like I could still hang with the 20-something-year-olds Uh I got invited to a frat party, but unfortunately friend of the show, Reed Williams, who's there with me, uh, would, was not inclined, was not interested in us going. So that did not happen, but Hey, I, I'm still cool with the kids. So that was a win in my book.
1: You can still get down. I was thinking about that. That's this weekend. And, um, you know, it's, you know, we talk about, you know, we both talked about going to Houston for Oklahoma state at Houston. And then, uh, you know, I'm getting up to it. I just, it, while we have been off the show, I just turned 31. So I'm getting up there in my old age. Uh, and I have realized that I don't know if I can hang anymore. I can hang at my own house, but I don't know if I can hang. I don't know if I could do a two or three day Vegas bender anymore without it potentially killing me. So props to you, uh, for still getting out there. At your young age and uh you know getting invited to the frat parties i don't think i'd get invited to the frat parties anymore unless i was djing uh but to be fair i don't think i would go unless i was getting paid to dj
0: there was a mechanical bull involved too and i tried
1: to get you get on it
0: well i didn't go so i didn't oh okay yeah i tried to tell reed i'm like hey Let's go. Let's get you on this bull. And he was not about that at all. He said, "Yeah, no thanks. We're, we're not. We're not going to a Fred party." And now I, you
1: could have got you could have got me out if there was a mechanical bull. Oh, I, I know. I you could have. You would have gotten on that bull in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, And I've seen you on the other bull, on the other mechanical bull. How many months ago? Oh yeah. Where, where were you at? I was in Austin.
0: The mechanical bull on Sixth Street got the best of me
1: yeah yeah it does get the best of a lot of people, so i don't I mean I don't blame you for that, but yeah uh, the mechanic i mean yeah the that would have been the tipping point. I'd have been like, okay, if you yeah, that's all you had to say,' like, well, they have a mechanical bowl, I was said, like, well, okay, I guess we're gonna have to go for at least you know an hour
0: now, the other thing about being back in a college town like I think is the best part of all time. it's so cheap to drink, like the night I went to my favorite Mexican spot in Lawrence Salitos. And I mean, I just made a fool of myself with those thirteen dollar margarita pitchers. Like in Dallas, I'm paying thirteen dollars for a A
1: twelve
0: margarita, not a pitcher.
1: Yeah, yeah. Especially in Dallas, I mean, yeah. Thirty. You know, me for for thirteen dollars, you're getting like a single. You're getting one, not a pitcher. You're getting. So you're telling me you're pretty much getting three of those for thirteen bucks. Where in Dallas, you'd spend 30 bucks at least. So,
0: I was with uh, some friends. There was about four of us, and we downed uh, about three frozen margarita pitchers.
1: Oh, yeah. That's and... what you're supposed to do, especially after KU losing like that.
0: Well, luckily, that was Thursday. We were setting the tone for the rest of the weekend. I did see a Kansas <laughs> win, though, on on Friday night, you know, with, with basketball, the number one team. In the country. real, the
1: real season started in Lawrence.
0: Hunter Dickinson is the greatest basketball player to ever play in United Center. Um, <laughs> we know that. So was I mean, that where it was that wasn't at the fog? It was at the fog, but I, I just had to be specific that at the United mm. Center, he's the greatest player to ever play basketball there.
1: I was about to say, yeah, I was about to say yeah, at the fog. I don't know if you get away with that, but. Okay, that makes sense.
0: I mean, like, you know, who else played at the United Center? You know, like what? Patrick Kane, Scottie Pippen, um, you know, Derek Rose,
1: like, yeah, yeah, he's beating all those. Oh, guys. Patrick Kane played at the United Center? The Blackhawks, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, duh, yeah. duh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they got the
0: statue that like guy that wore number twenty-three, but Hunter was better than him, too. So
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What number does Hunter Dickinson wear, 31? He wears one because he's number one. There you go. He's yeah. the next Victor Wimbanyama. <laughs> the white – Mid- Yeah, the white Midwesterner Victor. Right.
0: <laughs> he had to go from Michigan to Kansas because, of course <laughs> –
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's corn fed and raised right there. That's as Midwest as you can get. If he did, he's probably gonna, you know what? For what it's worth, they'll probably end up on the Chicago Bulls.
0: <laughs> on their G League team?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't I mean Bulls are looking for a fire sell, so they might be in worse position than you think. Fire Billy Donovan. Tell us what you really think. I mean, yeah, I mean, fire sell bring DeRozan back to uh, San Antonio and send Zach Levine back to wherever he came.
0: I was setting you up for a Billy Donovan rat. You
1: just missed know, and And, you know, the Spurs haven't played the Bulls and we haven't seen Billy Donovan in a while. I haven't had to deal with Billy Donovan. And until I have to do that. Now, if pop was to retire and Billy Donovan was the coach, I'd figure out in San Antonio where he lived. And I would, I would, man, I would run him out of San Antonio myself.
0: <laughs> oh man, I, I'd be here for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, he'd be, he'd end up being the coach and bringing Joachim Noah on as an assistant, and I'd, I'd, I'd have to flip the tables like Jesus in the temple. You would I'd send, have to start turning shit over. You'd send them to Cleveland, where Joakim Noah belongs. I don't know if he even belongs there. I don't even know where Billy Donovan Billy Donovan needs a he needs to go somewhere he's 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 you know what Billy Donovan's gonna end up being the basketball coach of Texas Am for too long he's gonna end up filling in he's gonna be the next basketball Jimbo Fisher
0: <laughs> and now it won't be too far down the road from me either
1: so drive three hours to college station to bitch out Billy Donovan. <laughs> I'm here for it.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm down for it too. Um, Todd, let's start out on the uh, the NFL side of things. You and I have been preaching this for weeks that the Buffalo Bills were frauds. That they were only gonna. It was only a matter of time before they got exposed, and they lose to the Broncos, or as I like to call them, the Bron- Bronchodes. Uh, LeBron Chodes. LeBron Chodes at home on Monday night. The 12 men on the field thing. Um, and the way the Broncos coached you know, that game, too. You know, Sean Payton looked like a dumbass himself. <laughs> like, no one deserved to win that game, first and foremost.
1: But the 12 that, that game almost, deserved five less minutes.
0: That game was Tom Fullery.
1: Uh, uh, pretty, I mean, pretty much. Did you see what? Did you see the memes after the game? I did. Did you see the Damar Hamlin one? Yeah, that supposedly Damar Hamlin was the twelfth man on the field. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you this. I'm not going to be the one that that says what this is about, but there's a TikTok I, about I Damar Hamlin believe that they retired the ambulance with his number on it. That supposedly, he was the twelfth man on the field. When Bron, when uh, Will Lutz missed the the first kick, we knew, but we knew that Will Lutz was not going to miss the second kick. No, you gave. And him I think all of Buffalo go. knew, and I think Ken Dorsey obviously knew. What's funny and about he, Ken and Dorsey, he paid the price. What's funny about Ken Dorsey getting fired? Like,
0: so he's the scapegoat for twelve. Yeah, he's night, the sacrificial the lamb. Defense. He is the sacrificial lamb. He's the sacrificial lamb, the OC for the defense getting called for twelfth pen on the field.
1: Damar Hamlin got him fired. <laughs> 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 and you know, like Ken Dorsey at that point for him, like I don't think he was I don't know. I heard a lot of bad things about him. And then what the, the interim OC is uh is it Joe Brady? It's Joe Brady, the former LSU O.C. and Panthers O.C. I mean, you know what? Maybe we'll see. It's That's not a bad interim, I don't think, to have. No. Um, of all people that you could have. I mean, hell, you could have interim Casey Dunn. Uh, we haven't even touched on that Oklahoma State roller coaster yet, but okay. from the last time we talked. But, I mean, the Bill Burr, Sean McDermott, uh, he's got a – It's only it's only a matter of time, right? I uh, I said a while. If they about, miss the playoffs, he's done. If they don't get to the AFC Championship, I think he's done. Oh, Fair. I think that's so. The- they're the new Dallas Cowboys of the North.
0: You know, I like Josh Allen, but. Eh. He uh he's been turned on, turned the football over a lot, and the Madden
1: curse is looking real. Is Diggs okay? Here's a, almost even more important in terms of talent. If the Bills, let's say the Bills don't make the playoffs, we've already heard about Stephon Diggs not necessarily being that happy in Buffalo. You see his brother. Oh yeah, he's a he's and and that that I mean listen. I don't like Dallas Cowboys. I kind of like Trayvon Diggs, but he has been the Jackson Mahomes. He's sitting on the sideline talking shit. He is just adding fuel to the fire, and I know that all of Buffalo hates Trayvon Diggs now more than ever, kind of like the Chiefs fans hate Jackson Mahomes. What if Stefan Diggs
0: was in on it? What if he told his brother to put that out there?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, you might not be wrong. Um, and, and Stefan Diggs though, to be fair to Buffalo, hasn't had the most productive season either. Um, and you know, the crazy thing about Buffalo, they have the defensive players. You have Vaughn Miller, uh, you have Leonard Floyd, who's looked pretty good. You have Poyer, um, who's the other deep back that they have. That's pretty solid. Uh, they have the players. I mean, they have some solid upfront players. They're one of the best rosters from 1 to 53. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're probably one of the more balanced teams in the league, if not one of the most balanced. Uh you have 500 running backs that every other week it's either James Cook, Latavius Murray, uh it's one of those one of those running backs ends up popping off for a little bit. You can't trust them in fantasy. And then you have Khalil Shakir from Boise State, who's looked promising as a rookie. You have Gabe Davis, that's looked really pretty good. Um, obviously, Stephon Diggs. You have the the wide receivers, like you have. Okay, Dawson Knox. Okay, he's on IR, and then you have one of the top, if not the top, tight end coming out of the draft, and Dalton Kincaid. And then you have a top what four quarterback? I'd say top yeah. four.
0: And on top of that. You have the same record as the Las Vegas Raiders now.
1: I mean, yeah. And so, like, you know, you get rid of Ken Dorsey. I mean, that's like the first stone to go, and it's not necessarily his fault. I think the Bills have missed their
0: window. Like, now, could they win a Super Bowl at some point with Josh Allen? Yes, but I think they're hitting the reset button. And trying to build this thing, or you're looking for a fresh start around Josh Allen, head coach, GM, some of the talent, and all that, than they are with winning a Super Bowl with this unit right now.
1: I mean, yeah, they're about to go back to the shit bills. Uh, I mean, lucky for them, you know, the Jets, not, nah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers could come back, hopefully, for my fantasy team. He does. Um, Because I have like Deshaun Watson. I had Deshaun Watson, Kirk Cousins, and Matt Stafford as well. So that's not working out great. But you have Miami in that division who is on the cusp, kind of like when the Bills first started their come up, kind of that feeling for Miami Dolphins. You have the Jets who do what? Dolphins can't beat anybody good. I mean that's what I'm saying. Like kind of like on their come up, like their their window has been cracked, but
2: right. they still
1: have to figure some things out. Um, and it all depends on if Tua can stay healthy and Jalen Waddle's not been that healthy either. Um, and and most are a chain. You have the running backs there. The defense looks good. You have Ramsey back. The window is starting to open for Miami a little bit. The Patriots, I would be. I would not be shocked if Bill Belichick goes, you know what, fuck this, I'm done. Oh, I, um, I think
0: he's going to have the choice. I think he's getting fired.
1: Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know who. The, yeah, then they'll probably bring in Josh McDaniels, won't they? Yeah, um, probably be Vrabel or Gerard Mayo or something like that. Ooh, Vrabel, yeah. Um, that would be an interesting hire, too. That would be actually that'd be a perfect hire for New England. I think that would be great. I think that's the time you gotta make it with with Tennessee and the flux that they have. But you know, you have you have Buffalo who's not in a um, a ball they're not in a balls deep division. They're not in the AFC West. They're not in the MC West. There's nobody in that division that's like you you're not you're not having to play Baltimore.
2: Nobody's you know, winning
1: like, the Super Bowl in the AFC East. No, I mean you might you know the, the you know if if Aaron Rodgers would have stayed healthy and Garrett Wilson would have stayed healthy, I would I would have loved to see this Jets in a different timeline where Aaron Rodgers does not get hurt because that would have been great for the entire NFL. But reality says like no one's winning it in that division. It's obviously Chiefs. Baltimore and then the Bengals are kind of having a little resurgence of somewhat that they could be a little interesting, but what's, let's, uh, let's as, talk it, about the Bengals as it stands right now, though, the bills have no reason to be as dog shit as they are. Great. Let's talk about the Bengals. You mentioned there, they got a big
0: game tonight against the Ravens best Thursday night game of the year. Um, I'm very, very interested here because you have a Ravens team that's seven and three that looks like a complete football team. They have led more than any other team in the league this year, and it's not even close. Like, the Chiefs, I think, are the next closest, and it's like a 60-minute difference uh, between how much they've led and just pure numbers. But yet, every time, Tom, it's no secret how to beat the Ravens here. It's they blow leads late in the fourth quarter, and Lamar turns the football over. That's how you beat the Ravens. That's the recipe. Everybody knows how to do it, but it's easier said than done. Bengals, uh, here they are at five and four. They're going on the road here. Um, they have lost every game where their opponent has scored 22 points or more this year. So something's got to give. Like, I think the Ravens are the better team, and they should win, but, you know, based on the, their track record of how they fall apart in some of these games, that kind of screams fraudulent of some sorts, too.
1: Right, and, you know, if the run game doesn't work for, for Baltimore, I mean, Odell Beckham has had a couple of better games, uh, but you sure, can't right. rely on him. Yeah, he's hurt. Um, right, yeah, Rashad Babin hurt. I mean, they don't have any big wide receivers that you can really count on.
0: Mark Andrews and has been
1: playing a lot better lately. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, they're, are they, I mean, honestly, if you want to look at it offensively, they might as well be Kansas City. No big wide receivers to speak of, but a great tight end and and a shitload of a backfield and running back where any one of those, you know, it could be Justice Hill, it could be Gus Edwards, Um, there's a, there's another Ravens running back that has, has kind of popped off here and there.
0: Mitchell, the undrafted rookie, has been fantastic.
1: Yeah, so I mean, they're, are they the most like the Chiefs? Quarterbacks who can make plays on their feet. Um, You have a, a top tier, I mean, I'd say Kelsey Andrews, and there's another tight end I'm probably forgetting. Uh, uh, the,
0: likely, yeah.
1: Yeah, the top I'm I'm talking like you got Travis Kelsey, oh you're thinking George Mark Kitt- Andrews, Kittle. You know, you're talking top three. I mean, Chiefs are more like the Ravens than I you know, than than we I mean, it, it's a little inevitable that we see that game. Um at the end of the Ravens the, have the a better
0: Ravens have a better defense than Kansas City, although Kansas City's defense has been pretty good in their own right this year. Uh, I mean
1: it the Ravens should win this game, but Like you mentioned, the Bengals are kind of a – I mean, they have been. They're kind of a wild card, right? What Bengals team are you going to get? What Ravens team are you going to get? Bengals need this more than Baltimore. Um, Absolutely. And if they can get it, that's a huge momentum shift.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So, I I think – I'll say this one step further and we'll move on. The winner of tonight's game wins the division.
1: Yeah, so, I mean – Because then
0: the Ravens would drop to seven and four. Cincinnati goes to six and four. And to me, that would be if they drop, if it goes that way, then Cincinnati is, I think, full guns ablazing at that point. Or the Ravens win and go to eight and three, and there's no looking back at that point. So,
1: yeah. And the Chiefs, what are the the Chiefs set at? Well, that's not not –
0: They're not in their division.
1: Oh, I know that, but I'm I'm looking ahead on like who could get home field.
0: Oh, the uh, the Chiefs right now uh, are at seven and two.
1: And the Chiefs play. Who do they play this weekend? Uh, Chiefs are playing the Eagles on Monday Night Football. Oh yeah, man! So we have a we have cap ins on each the beginning and the end of this week that are just top tier matchups, considering. <laughs> The past Monday night football and the past Thursday night football were dog shit. Speaking of, uh, let's let's talk about that game:
0: Eagles and Chiefs. It's the Kelsey Bowl. Um, apparently, the uh, the Swift family is going to be meeting the Kelsey family for the first time.
1: And in the Swift family, and I didn't know this until tonight, they are. And it wouldn't make sense though; they're from Reading, PA. They're Eagles fans, but I saw Taylor,
0: Taylor grew up uh, an Eagles fan. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I saw Papa Swift was hanging out um, with Travis Kelsey at the concert, had a Chiefs lanyard on. You know, you know me, I- I've
0: been following the Chiefs for a long time, and I had no idea about this until today. Uh, be- because of the Kelsey Swift thing, I found out that Morgan Freeman is a Chiefs fan. Um, because Morgan Freeman was asked, uh, as a Chiefs fan, what he thinks about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And he said,
1: I don't think about them at all. <laughs> that's beautiful. I mean, to be fair, if I was banging Taylor Swift, uh, I'd probably give up my Rams fandom as well. So no shame in that game. The the fact uh,
0: that, of all that, that's how I found out Morgan Freeman was a Chiefs fan was
1: Kind of wild. Does he have ties to Kansas City? Where does that come from? Is he a – I'm trying to think. He's at least – I bet he's probably at least late 80s, if not – not. I bet he's 87. Morgan Freeman's 86. Okay, so I'm close. Um, he's, so, so who would have been his – who would have been Joe Montana for the Chiefs? He's from Memphis. Oh. He's from Memphis originally.
0: Um. Yeah, I don't know what his I'm trying to
2: think. Was. How
1: who would have been his? I like, mean, obviously, if you if you go back Link? when I'm like 90, if I get that age, they're gonna be like, "Oh, well."
0: So he was yeah, like a Dawson
1: Chiefs fan. I mean, yeah, it had to have been. I mean, he was obviously around for the first Super Bowl, <laughs> like. <laughs> if he's not a and, Packers fan, and then... and clearly, like he
0: is, he's got to be. He's a true football guy because he doesn't give a shit about Travis and, and Taylor and all this. Like he is, a, he is a true to the core Chiefs fan.
1: Yeah, and I'm wondering, like, okay, I feel like, and and I feel like maybe it could have went a little negative, so. It, like so, Travis Kelsey was what partying like in Texas at the Rangers game, and then they go out and shit the bed against Denver. Yeah, he was partying
0: at Texas Live, uh, right across the street, uh, and they were playing uh some T Swift music, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm banging that chick.
1: I mean, hell yeah! But then he goes out and has like a what a 45 yard day, yeah, and and does not look good. Um, and I think got a little bit of a flack for it. So I think diehard Kansas City fans that like like my dad does not I guarantee you, John Bridges does not know one fucking Taylor Swift song.
0: John Bridges is Oklahoma's Morgan Freeman in this case. Absolutely. Um and like John like Bridges and Morgan less. Freeman. John Bridges and Morgan Freeman are watching a Chiefs game together and they're just
1: talking ball. Oh, man, I couldn't even imagine that. I wonder, if, I wonder if Morgan Freeman gets pissed. I wonder if his blood pressure raises when the Chiefs are down. I mean, it makes sense now why Mahomes
0: and the Chiefs get all the calls when God's rooting for them.
1: I mean, yeah, that's that's the only – yeah. Yeah, that's probably why they won the Super Bowl. I mean
0: – That's probably why James Bradbury got called for holding
1: because God – was a, is a Chiefs fan. The march of the Penguins all the way back to the line of scrimmage. <laughs>
0: um as far as That's on gonna the, be a
1: hell of a game. That's gonna be one of the best games of the season. And I think I the hate that for Taylor first about it. The key for me
0: is is Jalen and the turnovers. Uh he's turned the football over a lot. I think the Eagles are a better team than the Chiefs are right now. I think they're going to want this game bad and your revenge game and all this. Um, if Jalen continues his turnover issues, the Chiefs should win this game. If he takes care of the football, I think the Eagles win.
1: Yeah, you know, you got Dallas Goddard, a little hurt um, as well. And I think the Eagles have a few members of their defense. Is Darius Slay playing? There's a There's a, a son Reddick will play, but I think there's a, a few key members of the Phillies defense that are a little banged up. And I think they're a little bit more banged up overall than the Chiefs are, um, but this is going to be. I mean, I'd I'd like to know. I mean, we'll know obviously next week. Obviously, but I I think the ratings for this game should be out of the water. They it's should. Like, this should this should blow every other game out of the water for the whole season.
0: It's on like five networks too. It's on like ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN Two,
1: ESPN Plus, ESPN Eight, the
0: Ocho. You know, I mean, like.
1: I mean, this is all you could want for a Super Bowl rematch from the last season. Like this, both teams are great. This could be another Super Bowl. This, I mean, this is this could have the ratings. I'm trying to think of what the ratings were for that Rams Chiefs game that was supposed to be in Mexico City, but this could this is going to be probably higher.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be on network TV. It's going to be on ABC. So yeah, it should be. Um, yeah, this would be this would be a lot of fun, no doubt about it, and. You get Joe Buck and the Hall of Famer, Troy Aikman, on the call, too. What's
1: what's the line? Chiefs, Chiefs by two and a half? Chiefs two and a half. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. So, Man, I mean, that's pretty much right. I mean.
0: A couple more uh, NFL notes I want to bring up to you here real quick before we uh, move on, get to our Big 12 breakdown this week. How about Josh Dobbs and the Vikings for a moment?
1: I mean. What a story.
0: They've won five in a row. Josh Dobbs is playing out of his mind. He was playing good with Arizona, too. Um, despite how shitty they were around him on that team, goes to Minnesota. Now they're in playoff contention after a rough start to this year. It looked like their season was over. People were talking about tanking and all this. They lose no company.
1: Justin Jefferson.
0: Yeah, they're about to get Jefferson back and all that too. Um, Addison going off. Th- this this reminds me, Dobbs is Kurt Warner. Uh, I, I think this is like the case Keenum Vikings again. Oh, Okay. I like, okay. That's more relative. Yeah. Case Keenum took him to an NFC championship. I think Dobbs could do that. I mean, like, can you imagine? Think about this, Tom. Okay. We all agree. The Eagles are without a doubt, the best team in the NFC, but the Niners got exposed a bit. The Seahawks are good, but not great team. Cowboys is good, but not great team. Um, the way the Vikings have been play, playing very well, though. Yeah. The way that the Vikings are playing, I, I don't know if there's any any much separation between them and that next tier beyond
1: the Eagles in the NFC. I'd love to see, you know, like they Oh, have, then there's the Lions, uh, too. Yeah, the Lions are great. I mean, the Lions are a feel-good story, but the Lions overall, I said, if you say feel-good story of the year so far, in terms of franchise, you got to give it to the Lions. Dan Campbell, love Dan Campbell. If you want to talk about just not, I would you can't call him even a comeback player of the year or anything like that. If you want to give the Charlie Villanueva award to Joshua Dobbs for the job that he's done coming, I'm horrible. I'm going to hell. I don't care. You um, know, if you want to give him the Charlie Villanueva award for just um, coming out. And just being a player, and if you look at what he's done, like that first game, he was like, bro, I haven't even really been here. He just stepped up and balled out. This last week, he has an incredible Johnny Manziel-type run-around touchdown. Um, He's lighting it up. Uh, The Rams aren't going to make the playoffs. I'm all in on the Vikings. I would love to see the Vikings do it. They, I don't think they will, but that if that's not a fucking Hallmark movie waiting to happen, I'll direct it myself. If the Vikings can pull it off, because uh, you know, like I said, the Rams aren't going to do anything. I will be rooting for the Vikings as long as Joshua Dobbs is making plays. If they're going to get just Justin Jefferson back next, probably next week, um, and they should make a push, probably wild card. I would imagine, um, unless they can, if they overcome the Dan Campbell Lions, um, more props to them. Because yeah. I mean,
0: if Dan Campbell is awesome. up at uh, Texas AM is m alma mater, then you know things change a bit.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah, <laughs> pay him whatever. Pay him a it's seventy-six million.
0: million dollars. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: oh man, is he uh, on the odds? He's he's a
0: apparently he's the candidate Texas A&M really wants, but they even know they can't get him. They're not they know that they can't pull him away from a Super Bowl run.
1: Oh, they say, I mean, lions and Super Bowl run in the same sentence makes me want to like like dunk Dan Dan my Kempel head is of a football
0: Not leaving a playoff contending team in the middle of the year to go take the Texas A&M job.
1: No, no, no. If the Lions were dog shit as usual, then yeah. Oh well,
0: man. But money wise, just comparing things, Dan Campbell's only making about
1: three million with the Lions. I, I didn't realize that he was an Aggie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and it you know, I could respect the midnight yell and the cheerleader and the yell leaders for A and M. If they had the the prominence and the just the balls that Dan Campbell did, or does the the yell leaders the you, we've seen the midnight yell leaders. It's, they, it's they, the
0: first uh, blemish on Dan Campbell's resume is that he's an Aggie.
1: Yeah, did he play football for him? I imagine. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Was he any good? I'm not. Yeah, sure. I mean, he played in the NFL. Um. One more NFL note and we'll move
0: on. Uh the Seahawks are gonna get revenge this week on the Rams. They uh, are not
1: bullshit. Stafford's back. Kukaniku is
0: gonna play.
1: Seahawks are gonna
0: to go to, to seven and three. They're gonna put themselves in good position to be right there with the Niners heading into Thanksgiving next week. Um I'll say this much. You, you know I'm gonna be in the super chats. Oh, yeah, you better be! Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we drink, we score. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when uh, we've seen Tom, that these two teams, you know what what happened the first time go around. It was you know, just a Seahawks laid an egg, and you know we're left just mind
1: boggled of what what
0: happened here.
1: And, I mean, it, in the in you got stadium called the Nest, yeah. Yeah, you're about to lay another egg, baby. You better start
0: warming them up. Yeah. Um, now they had to the so five for this one. And this Seahawks team, Tom, I think they're a good team, you know, at, at, at six and three and everything. But here they are. They're not winning games by huge margins. They pull things out, you know, out of their hat in the fourth quarter. Geno's playing good enough. Not great. You bring in Leonard Williams. He looks fantastic. I think that the spin zone for the Seahawks, well, some people might call this team fraudulent. The spin zone for Seattle, I would say, Tom, is that this team has not peaked yet, that they haven't played their best football. Schedule's about to get a lot tougher with the Rams coming up, Niners, uh, Cowboys, Niners, and Eagles uh, over their next five games. Um, Oh, they play the Niners twice like that? Twice in, in three weeks, yeah. Oh, wow um with the cowboys in between and the eagles after um it's a tough stretch of what's coming up but the 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 spin zone would be i would say seattle hasn't played their best football yet and uh that they can you know
1: really kick this in gear here these next few weeks uh going forward i mean yeah they beat the commies which was a great game i thought that was an underrated game of the week yeah um you know, Sam, I mean, Sam Howell, we haven't really touched on Sam Howell, but credits to him, he's played, he's kind of played lights out over there considering all things. But I, I think the Seahawks, I think they did take a, I wouldn't call it a step back, but when they got that shit kicked in by the Ravens, I thought that was probably a little bit of an eye-opener on where they're at. But, um, like, you know, it was, you,
0: it was like watching the Lions-Ravens game again from a couple weeks prior.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like, I was like, wow, man, are the, and I didn't know like, are the Ravens that good? Or do they just come out and UCF the Seahawks like UCF did at Oklahoma state. They yeah. just come out and shock and awe them real quick. And it was done and over with as soon as it started. But um, I think you're right about the Seahawks. I think they are. I think they're overall a good team. I think they can still shore up some things. Um, and from just outsider looking in, Um, from what I can tell, being that I hate the Seahawks, not as much as I hate the 49ers, but it's close. Where's, I don't feel like the running game is as prominent as it should be. Kenneth Walker needs to get more involved. They got to do better on the ground for for a team, for a team for the past two or three seasons that has had, has been kind of dominant in that, you know, beast mode type. Type running game with Kenneth Walker and and DJ Dallas
0: well. They're just not getting him the ball enough.
1: They should. I mean, they should. They. I think it would open it way more up.
0: Why not um, run for the passing game?
1: Why not run it forty times? You know, I mean, you got Kenneth Walker and you got DJ Dallas on the team. Yeah, I mean, you have the talent. Like, I mean. I I mean I think they gotta they you gotta know,
0: people are complaining about Geno turning the football over and all that I get that yes that's a problem but why on earth is
1: he throwing it forty times run the ball forty times yeah I mean you got a – yeah you got fucking Kenneth Walker back there and if you don't have him I mean you have a you have a running back room that that is pretty <laughs> pretty damn good yeah
0: I agree um, we will uh, shift gears our Big Twelve breakdown coming up next. Uh, Clint Shelf stopping by, coming up in just a moment as well. So he's still running from the cops. He's
1: coming on to the studio, running from the cops.
0: Yeah, he's uh he's got that running from the cops speed coming up in uh, just a few moments from right now. It is the Big Twelve breakdown. Tom Jones, bridge Bridges here with you with a comprehensive look around the Big Twelve conference. And uh, Tom, the the hot takes you, we usually begin each week with. I think that we just got to get right to it of these tiebreakers. And and that's the – I think the Big 12 did the hot takes for us this week uh, with their own mess, that is. I love this league. I do. Um, I'm glad that my school, Kansas, is a member of this league and, and part of it going forward and everything. But I got to tell you, Tom, it doesn't matter who's in charge. Something always gets screwed up in this league uh, of some, you know, bad decisions or mismanagement of some sorts. Um, And I'll say this, of Brett Yormark's tenure so far, uh, this was the biggest screw-up we've seen yet. Um, The the tiebreaker thing, in case people don't know, or put it in a nutshell, the rules were written of sorts with a bit of confusion, a lack of clarity. um, And... Whether the Big 12 says it or not, the rules were changed. And to the correct rule, might I add, that would give Oklahoma State an advantage and head-to-head over Kansas State and Oklahoma because they beat both those teams. And then if Kansas were to enter the equation, well, they beat Kansas as well. So that is the right situation, but it should not have taken to this point. This should have been worked out in July and August before the season began. It's the right rule, Tom, but it shouldn't have gotten – The wrong time. The wrong timing. I don't like changing the rule uh, two weeks to go in the regular season, but I think it kind of had to be done.
1: I mean, I, to be uh, – it's not to be fair at all. They should have had this shit lined out way before, I, I think – Little in over their heads, and and to be fair to the Big Twelve, I think in as volatile as this league has been because it has been. I think after Red River, from what we saw, we would have not imagined, and that's what's so great about the Big Twelve. It's so hectic. It's so it's such hell on all the fans. If you would have told me after Red River or that week. What the what the first Saturday, second Saturday in October that we would have been at this point right now, I would have laughed, um, because it was at that point after Red River, and as good as that game was, it was very clear that OU and Texas were, you know, beyond every there was there was OU Texas, and then there was a little space and a little bit more space, and then there was tier two. And then you could have maybe said K State and KU, and then Oklahoma State wasn't even in the tier two. They were maybe even in the tier three, or we might even been talking to them, you know, in the in the Cincinnati, Baylor, uh, type tier at that point. And now so much stuff has changed. I don't know that the Big Twelve even considered or would have even think to consider that this might have been. a a potential for like a a five-way tie. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's been Uh, been ridiculous, honestly.
0: Now, more than likely, Tom, this situation probably will work itself out and not be an issue. Something is going to happen more than, I think, more than likely, but I'm glad that at least it's figured out. And, you know, I'm sure you and I both, you know, we've been reading social media the last couple of days. K-State fans, OU fans, they've been bitching. Um, They've been upset. And I think, Tom, two things can be true at once. K-State and OU fans have the right to vent and bitch and feel the way they do. Uh, They have the uh, tiebreaker scenario switched like it was and to be gaslit by this conference to say, we didn't change the rules, we clarified them. No, you changed the rules. Don't gaslight us. Uh, They have a right to be upset, but this was a tough decision to make. I still think it was the right decision, though.
1: I think it was the right decision because it makes sense. And, you know, obviously I can say that in full faith because I'm an OSU fan and I want them to go to Arlington but at the same time, like Get when you're not gone at the your heart- way, Tom,
0: I I knowing you, you would have been pissed.
1: Yeah, maybe a little bit, but at the you know, at the same time as is, is something that is as I can set aside, OSU has beaten those teams. Um and so kind of in the in the in the sense that uh kind of going back to like one call doesn't necessarily make a game. When OU's like, well, Drake Stoops got fucking fouled in the end zone and we're a bunch of fucking Walmart fan cocksucker bitches. Like oh, most OU fans are. Whoa. Oh, um, aggressive. I don't even care about that. I didn't even get to say my piece about Bedlam because we skipped last week. And then I got and then I got somewhat humbled before I even got a chance to get humbled. Um mm-hmm. this past week. But that being said, it's like, okay, well, one call doesn't make a game. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know what? Oh, you cocksuckers, win fucking Bedlam. We're not even talking about this. Right. You know, K-State beat OSU. When OSU looked like dog shit all season, beat them. We're not even talking about this. Like, win the games you're supposed to. And then we're not even talking about this. It's like, well, make the plays you're supposed to. Catch the balls you're supposed to throw an out route to drake stoops that's past the marker and oh you probably ends up driving down the field and winning bedlam we're not even talking about it and i'll, I'll say this like you're not hearing chris Kleiman or brent
0: Finables complain about this um i think know. they know it too right they have they've handled it with class i'll so give them credit you know how they've gone about this um no excuses or anything this is all about what fans are saying you know and and you know, you got these OU people that are trying to call conspiracy, you know, Big 12 trying to stop us and all this, you know, like get out of here, you know. I mean, uh, it's a little ridiculous, but nonetheless, uh, I think it's the right call. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, still a couple weeks ago, but it's certainly going to be interesting. And so now let's uh, let's look at the where the teams stack up in the playoff picture, Tom. Let's start off with, with Texas, they're the only team alive from the Big 12 that can make the playoff at this point. They're at 9-1. and They're behind Oregon but ahead of Alabama. Alabama's looked really good as of late. They look like a different team from when they faced Texas back in September. Texas beat them by 10, of course, in Tuscaloosa. This is my fear, Tom, for Texas. I think that Texas, it's very obvious, they're not playing their best football right now. Everybody can agree with that. Texas does not look like what they did a couple months ago. Um, And, you know, losing, you know, their running back uh, Brooks for the rest of the year certainly doesn't help either. Um, With that said, Tom, I am afraid for Texas' sake that if Alabama wins out, beats Georgia in the SEC title game, they are going to jump Texas and that they would potentially get the playoff spot over Texas. It wouldn't be right. Uh, I mean, why play the non-conference games? Why play the head-to-heads? But based on kind of the way the committee has been pulling things the first couple weeks here, something tells me that, uh, that Texas could be on the raw end of the stick if Alabama finds a way to win out. If you're a Texas fan, you're actually probably cheering for Alabama to lose sometime
1: down the final stretch here. Well, you know not even that. You mentioned you mentioned the SEC side of things. Look at the Pac twelve side of things. If Oregon State goes and beats Wash Washington and then Oregon and then Oregon goes and then beats Oregon State and then wins the Pac twelve championship, well, automatically their resume is going to be way, way better than Texas's. And if they have the same record, well, you got to take Oregon at that point. Um You beat an an Oregon State – you know, you beat a Washington team and then you beat an Oregon State team or however you want to match it up. That's like three top ten games. I don't see Florida State
0: losing. No, they won't. Uh, The Ohio State-Michigan winner is in. And Georgia. Is still a contender, potentially speaking. And then Georgia-Alabama, Georgia – if they lose to Alabama or they went out, it's still a playoff contender either way. So there's only four seats at the table here. Texas, they could win out and st- still not find their
1: way into this playoff here despite that win against Alabama. The worst thing that could have happened to Texas happened this past weekend when UCF shit all down Oklahoma State. That That ruined their that ruined their, you know, strength of schedule, resume builder, potential win in Arlington. Uh, there are I, no, you know, I, I there are are no big quality wins
0: awaiting Texas the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, there's no, the, yeah, exactly. There's no games that are so close that they shouldn't win or that are going to be as close as the Red River. And they lost the Red River, you know. And now if, if Texas is undefeated, we're probably not having this combo. We're saying if they went out there in and you know, they 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 for one played very close against K State. That was a great game. K State, if they were a little bit better coach, if Colin Klein actually got his head out of his ass in the first half, probably might not be even having this convo. Um, you know, they have they have to go to Ames, Iowa at night. On Saturday, a lot of people are picking Iowa State. I'm a little hesitant to do that, but Jack Trice is no shit. Um, They could do that, but, I mean, we all expect Texas to win out. And and with the rule change, as long as Oklahoma State takes care of business, hopefully if they beat Dana and then hopefully they beat the Mormons, then, you know, I I still don't think Oklahoma – we talked about this before the show. I don't think Oklahoma State can beat Texas. Even if their you know past couple of seasons record shows that OSU could do it, uh, I think Texas is too strong up front defensively, and I think they could stop Ollie Gordon and, and that make all the difference in the world. Doesn't I matter though if the resume is not there, it's not going to matter.
0: I think the way the playoffs is going to shake out, um, I don't think Texas gets in. I think we're. I gonna, don't think so either. I think Georgia wins out. I think that they're getting hot. They're playing better. I, I still, even Obama's playing better as of late, I still like Georgia more than Bama. I think Georgia yep. wins. I think Michigan is going to beat Ohio State, that they're going to win out. Ooh. I think they're a better team than Ohio State is. And clearly this Harbaugh stuff and Spygate, whatever you want to call it, it just doesn't matter. Um, I think it's all, you know, did Harbaugh deserve to be suspended? yes. Will it stop them from winning the Big Ten and winning out? No. I think that whether Harbaugh is out for a number of games, whatever it may be, I think Michigan's going to be fine with or without him until he comes back. I think Michigan wins out. So there's two of your spots. I think Florida State wins out. Their only tough game left is a potential, uh, you know, they do, I take that back, two couple games left at Florida in the Swamp. That won't be easy. Uh, Florida has played well in some big games this year. Um, that's not a given. And then an ACC title game, probably against Louisville, who's been one of the biggest surprises in the country this year. I think Florida State probably finds a way to win out. Uh, you know, Jordan. I, I trust also. Mike Norvell. Yeah, Mike Norvell's done a great job. I trust I think, him to win out. I think Oregon is going to win out, and they're going to beat Washington in a rematch in the Pac-12 title game, and I, it's clear the committee likes them more than Texas and Alabama right now, and you add a couple more big resume wins of Oregon State and Washington that's only going to help. I think that's going to be your final four, Tom, is Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Oregon, and uh, Texas gets uh, – Texas to Alabama
1: ultimately uh, miss out. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think it'll be – the only thing I would switch – uh, I would take Ohio State. Um, I'll go Georgia, Ohio State, <clears throat> Florida State, Oregon. Okay, I think I think that's I think that's what we're looking at. I mean, it could either go either way. Obviously, we're both in agreement that whoever wins the game is going to be number two. Um, and then the rest of it falls in place. I mean, and I mean Texas, Texas obviously has to win out, but they need a lot of help. Um, and it's and, out of their control in terms of resume builders because Oregon has their last stretch is all that all Oregon has to do is win out, and they should they will be in. The only
0: clear path to the playoff right now are the five undefeated teams. Yeah, if you're a I mean, one, yeah, I agree. Team, if you're Oregon, if you're Texas or Alabama. It's not a guarantee that you went out and you get in. You might need some help.
1: So no, I, I I do agree though. If Alabama fine if if Oregon ends up dropping it, dropping the ball, um, and Oregon State looks really good too. Um, and I think Oregon State's like a two and a half point favorite against in Corvallis. I mean, let's just take a second and say that the NCAA. Denies James Madison the CFP bid or did. even a, a bull bid, right? They denied him that. There, I did. Yeah, but college game day decides to go there instead of Corvallis. Blasphemy. I, I mean,
0: really, they do. I don't, I don't think it is actually because ESPN knows they would not be welcome in Corvallis based on how they've treated. Oregon State. I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. But And they always pick that weird game once a year. Like what last year they go to Harvard, Yale, or whatever they pick, or Princeton and wherever. I mean, I don't really care where a college football pregame show goes. No, yeah. I know, but I'm like, I do still feel bad for Washington State, Oregon State. And I hope, I hope Oregon State, for what it's worth, I hope Oregon State just pulls it off and beats the shit out of everybody left. The, um, uh... Except if they play my OSU.
0: The other Big 12 teams and the CFP poll this week, OU's at 13, two losses, or actually at 14, rather, Um, and uh, not the lowest-ranked two-loss team. Uh, They are at Iowa, um, but there are, you know, we we see they're behind Ole Miss and Penn State and Oregon State. Um, Then you go a little bit further down, K-State at 21, Oklahoma State at 23, Kansas at 25. Um, You know, the kind of odd that the committee put Kansas State above Oklahoma State, but the committee, I think, only really cares about the top four rankings. Uh, They don't really care about ranking uh, the teams after the top six beyond that point. So... um, you know, with that said, I I don't think it's too big of a deal necessarily, you know, uh, beyond that. So, uh, let's look at the big 12 slate of games this week. We'll, uh, we'll break these down piece by piece, go rapid fire here game by game in the conference. Let's, uh, let's get things started 11 AM on Saturday, Oklahoma taking on BYU. OU big favorites 24 and a half on the road in Provo Tom, um, I think OU's glad this is going to be a morning game. It's going to be 10 a.m. in the Mountain Time Zone. And uh, BYU has played some really bad football as of late. Uh, this one, OU looked a lot better last week. No reason why OU shouldn't win this game big.
1: They should win it big. And, and you know, Iowa State took care business against them last week. Interesting fact about this game, if I'm not mistaken, um, earliest game OU has ever played. The second game, um, can't think who it was against, but it was obviously in on the West Coast area 2002 by about four or five minutes from the kick time. I believe, if I'm not, like I said, if I'm not mistaken, the earliest kick OU's ever had. Pretty crazy. I think it, I, it kicks off local time, I think, at 10 yeah, 10. that
0: that's that's gonna be something. Uh, and BYU better get used to it because they're going to have uh, some more kickoffs like this in their in their very future. No um, more
1: Provo night games.
0: Well, they'll get a they'll get the Big Twelve after dark. Like that's the thing that's going to be wild for BYU and Colorado and some of these schools. Tom is like they're going to get the 10 a.m. starts and then they're also going to get like 8 p.m. starts too. Um, you know, it's going to be pretty bizarre, but nonetheless. West Virginia and Cincinnati. West Virginia is six and four, and they are bowl eligible. And Tom, I don't see uh how our sweet prince Neil Brown
1: <laughs> back
0: in Morgantown next year. He he had maybe the worst roster in the conference this year and turned that into a bowl team, and I still have no
1: idea how. That old Bruce Weber handshake. That might explain it. A good a good for Neil Brown. They, If there's a 23rd Street Brewing in Morgantown, they better make him a meal. They better be a
0: four-course meal. And after all, West Virginia's been through, too, with Huggy and all that and Neil Brown on the hot seat. I mean, it hasn't been easy in Morgantown these days, and that's a big accomplishment. I don't think they'll have any problems with Cincinnati. The um, old Neil Brown blowjob sandwich.
1: I don't
0: even know what that means. Uh, Moving on to uh, Baylor and TCU. TCU is four and six. They're at home. They're two touchdown favorites against Baylor. Baylor at three and seven. I know Dave Aranda won a Big 12 title two years ago, but second straight disappointing season. They're not going to go into a bowl game. Tom, uh, if TCU blows out their arch rival Baylor here, could we be talking about Dave Aranda getting fired here in a couple weeks?
1: I mean, he should be on the hot seat. It's not talked about enough. I mean, you know, when Baylor played, I mean, two, two. not even, what would it be? It wouldn't, it wouldn't even be 750 days ago or less, which seems like an eternity away. Blake and what, probably true freshman at the time, I believe, played well enough to beat that Oklahoma State team, and the defense played well enough, and it was top of the world for Dave Aranda. Um, you know, they go on. I believe they – I don't think they won the bowl game. Would what, they play Alabama? Uh, they played uh, Old Miss. Oh, and did, oh, did they win? They did win the Sugar Bowl, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And does that not seem like forever ago? I mean, I'm sure for Dave Aranda, it feels like an eternity. Uh, because that was what the a... end of Matt Corral's football career basically that night, too. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, got missed. hammered, yeah. And then he never showed up. I don't even can't remember where he even got drafted Tennessee, uh,
0: Carolina was a third round pick, and then after they drafted Bryce Young, they cut him. He goes to New England, and then he went missing uh, for a couple days, and
1: he never showed back up. Oh, the old, the old uh, Stetson Bennett Bender. uh, Uh, Yeah, I mean, what, what? I mean, yeah, that feels like an eternity ago, and so you know, where does I think Dave Miranda could and. You know, wouldn't be out of the question that he would deserve to get fired. I mean, it's been the opposite turnaround. Um, and, and in a in a very weird fashion, like he sold his soul to the Baptist devil uh down there in Waco. Well, um
0: real quick, not to get too far off on Baylor, because we got other things to talk about, but that's a program, Tom. I I look at they have great facilities. You're playing in the state of Texas, you're in a very good conference, the Big 12. There's just no reason for Baylor to be a 3-7 and seven football team ever. Like, at minimum, Baylor should be a bowl team every single year. Every All the
1: resources are there for them to compete for bowl games year in and year out. And they were lucky to beat UCF, and they're not even the best. They're not even the second-best team in the – I think they would beat Rice, but I don't even think they're the second-best team in the Dallas Metro – or I guess they're not technically in the Metro, but SMU would beat this Baylor team.
0: Oh, of course. Absolutely.
1: And Um, TCU will beat them this weekend.
0: OSU taking out Houston. OSU is a seven-point favorite uh, going on the road there. OSU looking for a bounce-back game after that debacle that happened last week against UCF. Emotional win against OU. Major letdown last week. Um, It's real simple for OSU, Tom they got to establish the run with Ollie Gordon. This was the first game that he struggled all year where the offensive line didn't look good. Um, I mean, that's the key. That's been OSU's entire season. If Ollie Gordon plays well, they win. Um, if they can get Ollie Gordon going again, they should be able to win this football game. But we have seen Houston has, despite the four and six record, they've given some teams some scares this year. It's it's not a given that OSU just goes in there and you know blows them out the door here. Houston – has played up to their competition at times.
1: They have, and and you know, speaking of that game, Jones, I'm looking at his tickets right now for that game. Um, folks, me and Jones might be there. We might reunite for our Texas tour since uh, tickets
0: on vivid seats for three dollars.
1: Well, the fees are worse, but I'm I'm looking at his thirty yard line for fifteen rows up for maybe forty a piece. I already told you I'd cover at least twenty of it, so we might be going. Who knows? Yeah, you're you're right. Um, I I would like to think, in my homerism, that OU or sorry OSU would have the pissed off feeling that that maybe OU did against West Virginia and kind of boat raced them real quick after the first quarter. Think OSU could do the same against Houston. you know what 3 p.m. kick uh there is i expect there to be a decent amount of orange that doesn't necessarily matter a whole lot but they won't be in uh they won't be out there in space like they were last week Speaking of the team that was in space ucf uh taking on texas
0: tech ucf's first ever trip to lubbock john rise palmley's played really good since he took over as the starting quarterback again Texas Tech got away with the win in Lawrence last week. Um, I'll be frank. I was at that game. Texas Tech did not play well. They got lucky that Jason Bean got hurt. That's why they won that game.
1: Very
0: true. I I look at that game, Tom, like I think UCF is the better team right now, but going into Lubbock is never easy. I know Tech's favored, but bowl eligibility on the line and everything – I feel like TCU is kind of the hotter hand right now.
1: Has, has McGuire turned the corner and saved the season? Well, I wouldn't, call I wouldn't it- say saved the season.
0: Because they, they had Big 12 championship aspirations. Has he,
1: he's done enough damage control to minimize his seat getting decently hot. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Mort- Morton has another season under his belt. Morton's not bad. Morton's what? He's a is he a red shirt sophomore? Um, I Morten, think so. Yeah, he's a he's a true sophomore. Yeah, so I mean, he could get better. He could also end up being Blake shaping but I'll give him the benefit for the doubt, or benefit of the doubt now. But, I I, I mean, if this game was in use in Orlando, I'd probably have to take UCF. That OSU made that Plumlee kid look like Johnny Manziel last week. Oh, that'll, that'll be a
0: game. I keep my eye on KU K state Sunflower showdown. Kansas has not won this game since Todd Reesing was that quarterback at Kansas. Um, we've heard from Lance Leipold. They're optimistic. That Jason Bean will come back and play in this game prior to the injury. Jason Bean looked really good. This Kansas offense was rocking and, you know, they almost found a way to win last week, uh, even with going to a third-string walk-on quarterback. Lance Leipold's done an incredible job with this Kansas program. Um, You know, it's a night game. It's the biggest game in Lawrence in a long time. K-State's a good football team, though, and they're playing for a Big 12 title and everything. Uh, They only have two conference losses. Um, To me, this comes down to quarterback play. Tom is – for one, is Jason Bean going to play, and is he going to be 100% playing at a high level? Um, and how's Will Howard going to look? Is Will Howard, we've seen him look great, and we've seen him at times turn over the football too much either. What quarterback is going to play better?
1: Yeah, that's that's an interesting fact. And that third string for KU, what's his last name? Collard? Or? Yeah, he, he's something else. Um, you know, Colts have a bye week, so Daddy-O is going to be in in attendance. I'm sure Ballard, yeah, <laughs> yeah, his his dad will probably be in attendance, and you know, maybe they can, uh, maybe maybe they'll just, you know, maybe if they want to win, maybe they'll just sneak in Garner Minshew, uh, in, in the Ballard jersey.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe so, um, but uh, you know, with with K State too. Um I think it's like a short leash of sorts for Will Howard Tom because when we've seen Avery Johnson their freshman quarterback this kid's been really good and you know he's he's the future like Will Howard that that's I think that could be a difference in this as well we mentioned quarterback play like what quarterback plays better if Will Howard doesn't look great like they have a really good second option potentially K State does
1: Have we not said that one for a couple things here on Will Howard? Will Howard is K State's Perry Ellis. How is he? He's been there for 50 years, it feels like somehow. And I don't, I still don't know how he's still, I feel like I've been watching him at K State since almost 2013 at this point. It feels like
0: I remember in 2020 when people were calling for Skylar Thompson to be benched for this young quarterback named Will
1: Howard. I mean, but it's a feel. I mean, the past three years have obviously felt like twenty almost. But at the same time, the entire time that Will Howard's been there, and we say this about the Big Twelve basketball and how competitive it is, and how deep it is. We say some of the things, same things about the about one Big Twelve in general. But one of the consistent things we've always said about Will Howard, as long as I can remember, what Will Howard's going to show up. Which one? Who we got? We got balls. Balls out, Will Howard, or we got a little bitch, Will Howard. Which one are we getting? <laughs> I mean, it's it's you're either getting like, you know, you're either getting Will Howard, that dad dicks Oklahoma State forty eight nothing, or you get the Will Howard that shits the bed and throws three picks in the fourth quarter. Which Will Howard are we getting this week? That remains to be
0: seen. Um, I uh. My 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 mind tells me K State, my heart tells me KU, and I hope
1: your heart's right.
0: I think KU is going to come out hungry after a bad taste in their mouth from last week, too.
1: Do they rush the field this week if they pull off the dub?
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. Is the is the goalpost going in the pond? Oh yeah, or the lake. It might be going to Mass Street or something. You know, I mean, yeah, it might be Texas taking on Iowa State. Um. Without Brooks, I'm very intrigued to see how this Texas team looks. How does this change their ability to run the football? Quinn Ewers the second game back. Um, Texas hasn't looked great the last couple of weeks. Iowa State, they're bowl eligible. They're six and four. You know, they were kind of written for dead, and everybody thought this could be the end for Matt Campbell and all the scandal, you know, the gambling out all that. And here they are. Um night game. It's on Fox. It's in Ames. Uh, this is this is a total trap game for Texas right
1: here, Tom. You know, Ames is where dreams go to die. It is the, uh, you know, they say the Iowa cornfields and, you know, up there in Kansas, Omaha, that little flyover state bullshit is the field of dreams. Well, you go a little east and you go to uh, Ames. Well, that's where dreams go to die and uh you know if sark sark can have his little uh, cut off blazer on or whatever he wears his little uh, windbreaker bullshit and it that might not protect him from the voodoo magic that happens at jack trice stadium at night in november so uh brett auburn better have his leg straight and um won't be surprised if iowa state wins by a field goal
0: yeah We'll see. Clint Shelf set to join us coming up in just a moment. Before we do, Tom, I do briefly want to talk some uh, Big 12 hoops here real quick. Um, Let's start off with uh, the Jayhawks here. They beat Kentucky on Tuesday night in the Champions Classic, um, a game they trailed by 10 points at one point. Hunter Dickinson goes off. Uh, He was absolutely incredible. I think he's the best player in America. Kevin McCullough had a triple-double um really big win for Kansas and against I think a Kentucky team that's better than most people realize uh 17th ranked team in the country I think Kentucky's probably one of the top 10 teams in the land um you get that done eighty nine, eighty four. coming out party for Hunter Dickinson um that Kansas team you know I saw them in person last week against Manhattan they're not they're not bending down for anybody the, this this team I think's without a doubt the best team in America in, in my humble unbiased opinion
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, I've been a Hunter Dickinson fan for a long time. And uh, when he was at Michigan and thought, it, you know, just watching him there, I thought he was was, was incredible. And, um, you know, if if Kansas can harness, you know, harness his power like they did against this, they can run that all season. Then uh, I don't I don't see why Kansas isn't going back to the final four couple more teams to talk about. Baylor had a nice win against Auburn, um,
0: a game where they were an underdog in the uh, in that game in South Dakota at that old school gym up there last week. Um, they got a win there. They've won, you know, three since then. They're 4-0. They look really good. Baylor's got a couple guys that are projected to be first-round picks. Watch out. Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears are back once again.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, if their football team is going to be dog shit, well, at least the basketball team can do something. (laughs) Are they the new Kansas?
0: (laughs) It might be. They might be. Um, The big surprise, one of the biggest, I think, shockers in the first two weeks of college basketball this year has been the BYU Cougars. Uh, BYU Tom was picked to finish 13th in the Big 12. And what did they do? They beat San Diego state who was in the national championship game last year by nine, a convincing win beat the crap out of Southeast Louisiana beat the crap out of Houston. Christian BYU is looking really good and they've got the nation on notice. Uh, Andy Katz says they're about a top 35 team. I've seen some, you know, football or some, uh, some basketball power index that has them about, somewhere between 25 and 30 um you know of all the realignment stuff we talked about tom the things we were excited about you know whether it was um you know houston basketball coming in or football games and provo nowhere on my radar was byu basketball relevant in 2023 and
1: 2024 but here we are Shout out bartlesville and the hard boys byu's back right uh <laughs> you know
0: i saw hell, a lot I, of old sock boys uh there in in, in high school they, 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 those guys could play
1: they did you know the you know they were the 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 more in the lds pride and joy of bartlesville america and and went on and and one of them got dunked on by quiet leonard uh one of my favorite pictures of all time when i when he was on the spurs obviously um but you know what byu's always kind of been that uh that hey, we're Mormon and we play like a homeschool team. We play like the the Noah kids, but we're somehow still there. Uh BYU's always kind of been that, hey, we're pretty good we're all white, but we're pretty good at basketball still. <laughs> yeah, am I wrong? No. We're a bunch of white homeschool kids, but we can ball. The legend of Jimmer for debt
0: lives on. It does. Um, one more team to talk about here, real quick. Uh, Houston, three and oh, so far, your number six team in, in college basketball, but they've played a cupcake schedule. Houston, you're not in the American anymore. Start scheduling some real teams in non conference play. Come on, Kelvin. Um, what's interesting is Tom, they do not play a quality opponent till December 1st in the Big East Big 12 battle which is mandated by the conference, by the way. So it's not like that they're being – this is out of their own goodwill, like they're trying to schedule well. Um, They'll play Xavier. Xavier's a pretty decent team in their own right. Um, Here in a couple weeks, they'll travel to Cincinnati for that game. Um, But, Tom, I'm looking at Houston. I'm like, this is the team we all want to see. Like, come on, play somebody legit here. Like, you're not in the American anymore. Wake up here.
1: Yeah, you know, I will say, too, you mentioned that and i think they definitely could and cannot wait to see a BYU Houston matchup especially now that BYU's already beaten San Diego State who we were thinking could have been our uh, you know our our white rabbit in terms of west coast basketball for big 12 but uh, a little off-page thing about we we mentioned all these great teams. We mentioned the the Noah kids, the homeschool kids for BYU, and <laughs> mentioned <laughs> mention you know we mentioned KU kicking ass as normal, and you know I think K State even with Jerome Tank, and you know they had some injuries or that one kid that got kicked off that they said would be a like he's called a season engine season ending injury for that kid. Who violated team rules or whatever. Uh obviously not to be too homer, but at the same time flip flopping for me. If, if when we talk about, you know, hateful eight teams, if Mike Boyden does not take the Oklahoma State Cowboys to the NCAA tournament, uh, I think he should probably be let go. You know, I was thinking there's probably some big I think years.
0: it's I think it's time. I think there's some big changes potentially afoot. Boynton's on the hot seat. Um, I love him. I love him. Porter Moser's on the hot seat. Um, you know, watch out. We could see some, some big potential changes in this league. And, you know, Texas Tech, I think, is going to be interesting because here's a guy in Grant McCaslin in his first year coming over from North Texas where he did a hell of a job. And Texas Tech fans... Are still all these years later thinking about Chris Beard, and you know dr- daydreaming about what Chris Beard did with that program. And I think Tom, that was an anomaly. What Chris Beard did, it's going to be hard for any coach to ever. They probably will never play in a national title game ever again at Texas Tech. And <laughs> Grant McCaslin's going to come in. I think he's a good coach. He could do a good job, but it's hard to imagine him even coming close to the success that we saw from Chris Beard there. Like that's a, that's a tall task for a really good coach.
1: He's set up for disappointment. And, and I'll tell you who's really set up for disappointment this year. Um, no huggy bear in Morgantown this year. I can't even tell you who their coach is. Did they, who do they get for their coach out there in, in West Virginia?
0: So West Virginia, what they did uh, for their basketball program, uh, they ended up going with somebody that was on Huggins' staff, Josh Ellert, uh, who played for Huggy. And he's still the interim. He was not named the full-time head coach. And from the people I've talked to in Morgantown, there's still some people that think there is a – it's a slim, but it's still a possibility Bob Huggins could be back next year.
1: There's no way. That would be the most West Virginia move ever. If if they bring him back, I think they should just I think one of the stipulations should just be like give him a pint of moonshine every game and just let him coach drunk as shit. Like let let Bob Huggins drink just enough where he turns into Bobby Knight. Rest in peace.
0: Maybe uh maybe Bob Huggins would go to Texas Tech next.
1: <laughs> I mean You know, I mean, I don't know if you can uh, brew brew or distill a liquor ban out of uh, tortillas, but if you could, Bob, uh, you know, there's so much room out there in Lubbock. uh,
0: Give him that Bob Stoops rock and roll tequila.
1: There's so much room out there in Lubbock. There's really nothing out there. Uh, you know, maybe they could set him up his own like uh facility where he could just drink and, and drive around the track out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's nothing out there. The only, the, the only thing that he could hit out there, maybe a couple Roadrunners, road runners, tumbleweeds and a couple coyotes just, uh, put him in a, an, put him in a fucking. Oh, six town and country and give him a bottle and let him go.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Uh, Can you make a Bob Huggins pick you up in an 06 (laughs) town and country, drunk as shit, leaving the downtown Lubbock bars? Would you get in the Uber with Bob Huggins in a town and country? And then uh, you get pulled
0: over at the BK drive-thru singing, BK, have it your
1: way. Oh, man. Let me get a whopper, whopper, double whopper. It's just you pull yeah the you pull up.
0: When Huggy had that DUI at the BK, what are the odds he was singing the BK song?
1: Oh, if he was, Burger King would have hired him by now.
2: (laughs) I mean, I I does he
1: even order? Yeah, I mean he could be I mean I don't want to go on a tangent, but like he wouldn't even talk about that for Burger King. What did he even order? You know, he thought it what he was in was he in Ohio? He thought he was in Pittsburgh. Yes that's like probably two and a half hours away. What did he even pull up in order? And I'm it, more impressed that he made it across like two states. Um,
0: My buddy Reed and I we were laughing the other day, by the way, at the Kansas game that uh, Bill Self is a spokesman for Wendy's in the Baconator. And oh. there's a very clearly Photoshopped photo of him. Just holding a baconator, and I'm like, I, I got to know. Like, there's at least two trips to the local Wendy's to go get the baconator for that to pay for Bill Self every week, right? No, oh, there has to be.
1: There's, I mean, there's, there's no other way. I and mean, it was, it's...
0: it was good advertising. It worked, Tom. You better believe. Post game meal, it was to the Wendy's drive through to get the baconator. Oh, is that what you had? Oh,
1: hell yeah. Now, Wendy's was better back in the day when Wendy's was yellow. Yeah, when Wendy's was yellow. I think, to be as bad as that sounds, I think that's probably the last question at Wendy's, honestly. I would I eat. I mean, I like the frosty, but everything else, I'm like, you know what? Uh, fries were better
0: when they didn't leave the potato skins on them.
1: Yeah, see, that was always like a weird. The only fries that should have potato skin are, like, the deli fries at, like, the fucking homeland.
0: I mean, when you were at Wendy's, when it was yellow back in the day, and they had the sunroof going on, uh, you know, where you were sitting there, and you had your big yellow cup, and they didn't offer uh, vanilla frosties or anything like that. If you ate a frosty, you had a chocolate frosty, damn it.
1: Yeah, uh, I think they even have a pumpkin spice frosty right now.
0: Like, what the hell? What the hell are we doing Wendy's?
1: Yeah, it's like the Wendy's lady and the Starbucks lady start having just a, a lesbian couple relationship after the pumpkin spice one.
0: <laughs> okay, Theo. Uh, on that note, we'll uh, bring in Clint, Jill.
1: <laughs> and- Is that on your mind now, the Wendy's, the Wendy's lady and the Starbucks girl hooking up? I can't get that out of my you mind. Think about that, baby. I'd watch that.
0: Oh, Lord. Uh, Clint <laughs> Shelf can join us. We'll get his thoughts on this whole mess of the Big 12 tiebreaker, talk some Cowboy football, go around the Big 12 when Clint joins us. That's on the other side. Stay with us. Join us now on the program this week. Please welcome in former Oklahoma State quarterback Clint Shelf, also with the Oklahoma State Cowboys radio network at uh, – Also uh in the podcasting game now as well. And uh he joins us right now. Clint, always pleasure when uh, we get the chance to chat, my friend. Uh you've had a lot of change uh in your life since last time we talked. Uh big congrats on the uh the new baby at home, man.
2: Yeah, I have. I I appreciate it. Yeah, it's like uh every every middle-aged white guy started a podcast. I didn't actually start it, I guess, but I got asked to do it. So yeah, I've got a podcast now, and then uh what we welcomed uh my wife and I, we welcomed our, our second daughter. Uh, carter into the world about six weeks ago so yeah it's it's been a a whirlwind football season to say to say the least
0: yeah no doubt no doubt about it but uh certainly a a big win uh for you guys uh off the field at that front there clint uh i gotta start off uh with the big controversy at hand of this uh big 12 tiebreaker situation uh as we find OSU, K State, and Oklahoma all jockeying for position here, and and uh, Texas, of course, at the top of standings right now. What, what did you make of the uh, the decision or clarification that was uh, made this week by the Big Twelve office? There,
2: you know that's that's a tough one, and and I think ultimately. What you want to do is you want to get it right and you want to get the team that's most deserving in into the championship. And I think that this does that. Uh, I I understand Kansas State and Oklahoma's frustrations, but you had the opportunity to beat this team on the field. Um, And so I you know, I don't obviously being on the right side of it. It feels like for once at at Oklahoma State, it feels nice. Uh, But I think. I think people are getting a little bit too caught up in, in, in how it's come about instead of what it accomplishes. And I think what it accomplishes is, is getting the right team uh, on the field. I understand you know the clarification or the rule change or whatever you want to call it. It was pretty ambiguous wording, I felt like. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people read it and kind of, well, that doesn't make any sense. So, uh, you know, the, the ADs met and, and seemed to get it all worked out. Of course, none of this is going to matter if if Oklahoma State plays the same way it did this last weekend in the following two weeks and, and loses a game. So it uh, could be a moot point, but um, I think ultimately the goal was to get, get it right. And we've seen so often uh, across college football. I think you just look at this morning, the James Madison Jacksonville state ruling, not being able to play in conference championships because of an, uh, an archaic rule, an odd rule. Ultimately you want to get it right for the student athletes. The NCAA didn't do it in that case. And I think the big 12, did what most people think with common sense is the right thing in this situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, was it the correct path to get there? Maybe not, but at the end of the day, it was the best outcome, uh, the decision they decided here. Mm -hmm. And you bring up an interesting point about, okay, it doesn't matter if Oklahoma State plays like they did last week again. If you're the Cowboys, how do you turn the corner, put last week what happened there in Orlando behind you and shift gears to these next two weeks. What what is that mindset like? Not just for the coaching staff, but for the players to to try to forget about what happened last week when uh, everything went down the way it did.
2: Well, I think you said it. You forget about it. You watch the film maybe one time, and then you burn it. You throw it away. Um, and Coach Gundy kind of kind of said that. You know, they went in with, with some some game plan stuff that um, you know UCF just just had a better game plan for and. This is unfortunately a team who has who has seen this before earlier in the season. Obviously, we got we got dominated by by South Alabama at home. Went on the road, played better at Iowa State, uh, which which turned out to be a team that is is pretty good. You know, when I, when I was watching them going into that game, we didn't think they were very good because they were coming off a loss from Ohio. Turns out they're actually a good team, so it's not as bad of a loss as it made it look. And uh, and this team then went on a run, so they have experience with being able. have a short memory like a like a shooter in 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 basketball you know you don't you miss eight shots you keep shooting and so this team I think there's some veteran leadership with Alan Bowman Joe Mahalski who was sick last week they've solidified the offensive line with Dalton Cooper I think these veteran guys are able to lead the program focus on what's ahead of them because their goals especially now with that clarification that we talked about are still in front of them
0: yeah and you know, the, the thing for me, I look at Clint, uh, in all three losses for OSU, this is a team that did not run the football well in all three losses, and that's been their strength, their core all season long with what Otley Gordon has been able to do, best running back in college football this year, uh, is just dominate with the run game there. what When when you turn the page, when you go back to this week, how, how do you get that back to what you were doing before of, of getting back to the run game of being – uh, you know, to what it was uh, previously?
2: Well, I think, I think first and foremost, you have to play complementary football, right? Uh, the, the, the defense has to be able to stop plays, stop teams from giving up chunk plays. And that's something that they had uh, a difficult time doing against UCF. Um, and, and so this team is not built to come from behind. So the defense has to play complementary football and do their job and stop teams from scoring so that you can establish the run and play from a lead. This team has not been uh, a good team at coming from behind. And so you have to be able to establish it throughout the game offensively, but also with the defense doing its job. Last week, honestly, UC- at UCF, the offense was moving the ball fine through the air. They were able to throw the ball. It was a weird game. You had a three tipped – I'd say two tipped passes and then a really bad throw by Alan Bowman. You had some inter- – you know, you- the turnovers, the fumble – then it was a downpour, and you're playing from behind trying to run the ball and it's it, trying to throw the ball. It's just really difficult. It was a weird, weird game. I think that they'll they'll be able to establish the run. Uh, the offensive line had some issues last week. I mentioned guys being sick. I think it starts up front with those guys. When they're healthy, they've been able to, to open up some lanes for Ollie Gordon. Yeah,
0: yeah, certainly, certainly. This week you take on a Houston team on the road that uh, I know they're four and six, but Clint, this is a Houston team that's made some noise. They've made life difficult. Uh, case in point taxes uh earlier this year and and uh yeah. West Virginia got that big win there uh not a team to be taken lightly by by any means here. do you think uh they're gonna they this Oklahoma state team is uh, gonna have uh you know their their focus in uh you know did a little wake up call of some sorts heading into this Houston game
2: <clears throat> absolutely you know i think if if anything last week if there's a silver lining, it's that. You know, it got, the, it got them refocused, right? You had a little bit of a margin of error. You could lose one of these games and still most likely make the Big 12 championship. Unfortunately, it was the first game, so now your, your margin of error is gone. But I think it refocused the team. And you're right, this is a dangerous team. It's a team that we are familiar with, with Donovan Smith at quarterback. we played He started uh, against Oklahoma State two years ago when he was at Tech. Obviously, we know the history with with Dana Holgerson being one of our offensive coordinators and then the battles at West Virginia. But even going back to his his days pre-OSU, when he was at Houston as the offensive coordinator, he gave Oklahoma State fits. So if there's a guy that that you don't want to see on the other side of the ball scheming up offensive game plans after you've just given up 45 points and gotten blown out, it's probably Dana Holgerson. So the defense is going to have their work cut out for them. They've got... They've got some really good wide receivers: Samuel Brown, Joseph Manjack, a, a guy that transferred from from USC back to Houston. Uh, they've got guys, especially at the receiver position, that that make you lose sleep as a defensive coordinator. So um, I, I hope that the thought would be that this team refocuses and and that loss is something that we look as a as a kind of a speed bump, but uh, definitely have their work cut out for them with a, a team that we're we're pretty familiar with as far as coaching staff and a player or two.
0: Well, and, and I look at this, Clint, you know, being a top 25 team and, you know, being in the driver's seat to get to the Big 12 championship game, it, it's different now for Oklahoma State going into some of these final games of being the hunted now instead of being the hunter of some sorts. UCF, that was a huge game for them. Houston, huge opportunity for them. BYU, this upcoming week after this, all three of these opponents, uh, a a a totally different mindset than some of the teams Oklahoma state was facing early on in the season.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, after we lose, we lose to South Alabama and Iowa state, it was like, what do you have to lose now? You can just kind of go play. I think you saw that that's why they were able to go on the run that they did. You know, then you start, you beat OU and it's like, okay, now you're in the driver's seat. Uh, And that mentality flipped a little bit. And it's like, just like you said, go going from, from the hunter to the hunted. And, and it's always difficult when you go, you know, UCF was their space game, which is a big deal down there. Houston, it's going to be their senior day. You know, it's going to be an emotional day. Um, and, then, and then, you know, BYU is the last game of the year. If we're still ranked, that'll, that'll obviously be a huge game. So, yeah, you've got to, you've got to flip your, your mindset back into trying to be the hunter, right? You know, after you lose a game like that, you've got to go in there as players and say, hey, we, we've got to go out and be the aggressor instead of trying to, you know, maybe sit back and take it a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let me ask you one more thing about Oklahoma State, then we'll look at the Big 12 picture as a whole. Just just what Ollie Gordon has done this year, uh, the way that he woke up and just went on a tear there for that stretch, you know, with, with everything. I mean, wh- wh- what do you make of what this kid has done and, and, and the talent that he brings to the table? I mean, we've seen some great Oklahoma State running backs over the years, but he looks as good as any of them we've seen as of late.
2: Yeah, he's incredible. And and he's part of the reason, you know, when coming into this year, a lot of people would always ask me, you know, what do you think of the team this year? And I and I thought, you know, from what I had seen, I thought obviously that that Alan Bowman was going to be the starter and Ollie Gordon was going to be the running back. And that was kind of the assumption. And then you go in the first three games of the year, Ollie Gordon gets 19 carries in three games. Alan Bowman's in a rotation and they lose a couple games. And it's and it's 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 you know, one of those situations where, well, if you were doing this from the beginning, where would we be at? But at the same time, you know, maybe that helped build some some leadership, some character, some toughness. So I've uh, always been great, uh, you know, 1250 yards rushing, I think, still leading the country after after a dud uh, against UCF. Uh, but you've got to give props to the guys up front. I think, I think they were playing some musical chairs. I mentioned Dalton Cooper when he got established at left tackle. Uh, this offensive line really started started taking off and opening up some holes for him. But he's a guy that doesn't need much space. And as a big guy, it's really cool to see his ability in the open field uh, to stiff-arm guys and get out and kind of open it up and run and score long touchdowns because he is a big dude. So uh, he's been very impressive. We've been, We've been pleasantly surprised. Obviously, like I mentioned, we thought he was going to be the guy going in, and then he wasn't and for him to rebound and have that mental toughness to to come out on the other side and then make a Heisman run has been been awesome to watch.
0: What's up John, I guess for our Oklahoma state quarterback on the program this week. Uh Clint uh, on as far as the Cowboys go, I know that they uh you know it, it was unfortunate for them what happened against UCF and everything, but still looking back at that Oklahoma game a couple of weeks ago, maybe it's something that they enjoy more after the season and for the the years down the road of winning that last Bedlam game, uh, I know that they're not thinking about that right now at the moment. But how big a deal was that for for Oklahoma State and for Mike Gundy to get that last Bedlam win and uh, not knowing what the future holds of when they'll see Oklahoma again?
2: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, the last one for for at least probably twenty years. Um, you you as Oklahoma State fans, you always get to hear about the record and to have that kind of final. That exclamation mark, right? And and this team, like you said, they're gonna. It's gonna be something that you enjoy if you're a team. Um, Oklahoma has built an incredible program. They've been extremely dominant, and so when you beat a team like that, it means something. And and teams at Oklahoma State who do that are typically remembered very fondly. Those are teams that you you know the players on, you know the score, and so these guys, as someone who played in two very close bedlam games that we ended up losing both of them right at the end. Uh, It's a heartbreaker for me, but it was great to see for these guys because I know when you turn 30 and you've got two kids, what it can mean to you, uh, you know, if you don't win those games.
0: Yeah, and it may not be something they enjoy the moment right now after, you know, getting pushed around by UCF, but down the line it would be something that's remembered for years. And so with that, uh, we've seen, you know, in this changing landscape of college football that we've heard (laughs) – Oregon and Oregon State are still committed to playing each other as early as next year. Same with Washington and Washington State. Tech has made it known they want to play Texas still, but you know, Texas hasn't uh agreed to terms on that idea. With with OU and their move to the SEC and and, and OSU in this new changing Big Twelve, obviously you still have to wait for an opening of sorts for both teams contractually to be able to play this game, but with uh, the way college football's changed, has that changed, you think, the mindset at all of maybe any sense of urgency <clears throat> to have this game in the future? Do you think we uh, we see OU and OSU back uh, sooner than later? Is it still a while before these two teams should meet again?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a while. With the way conferences are going, uh, you don't want to add an, a power five – out of conference game when you're playing that many conference games, you put yourself at a disadvantage. I mean, that's just the number instead of playing, you know, a, a team like we can use stay in state and use a team like Tulsa, instead of playing Tulsa and and fill that with a game like OU for Oklahoma State, that makes your life more difficult to get to where you want to be. If you if you want to try to get to the 12 team playoff, if that's your end goal then that is not – that that's shooting yourself in the foot. And and so I think it really has to revolve around what's smart for the university, what's smart for for the football program. Um, you know, it's not just like you're scheduling uh, any old team to play, right? And, and you've already got at least one of <laughs> The NFL, each. right. Right. And I know we've already got scheduled Arkansas, Oregon. We've got some of these big games out of conference coming up. So why would you want to make your life more difficult? Uh, aside from all the stuff with the – you know, if there's bad blood and stuff and whether we should play it or not – it just doesn't make sense from the end goal perspective of where you want to be. If you want to make it to the Big 12 or, or to, the, to the college football playoff, then you, you've, got to, you've got to watch out for yourself and protect yourself. You see teams like Michigan this year. I don't think they played anybody in non-conference. And so if you're going up against that as a team like Oklahoma State, where you're already uh, perceived to be behind them, you've got to do everything you can to try to help yourself and win games.
0: Yeah, Alabama's playing what Chattanooga this week. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and you need those get right games uh, to figure yourself out, and so it's all about you know finding that balance of sorts. Uh, looking at just the, the Big Twelve race, we mentioned Oklahoma State's games ahead here. Kansas State gets gets Kansas this week, and it sounds like Jason Bean is likely to to still play for Kansas, coming back from injury. OU with BYU, and then next week Oklahoma with TCU and then uh Kansas State takes on Iowa State do you see uh there being a loss for Kansas State or Oklahoma in these next two weeks that make it a a very clear path for OSU to get to the big 12 title game do they get any help you think from those two programs
2: well you tell me are your Jayhawks gonna gonna show up for us this weekend it, it helped that'd be nice uh but Kansas State's been playing good ball man I don't know yeah, I mean, uh,
0: yeah. It, it, it. I think it all depends on if Jason Bean is a hundred percent or not. If if he doesn't look the part, I, I don't see realistically a, a chance for Kansas to beat Kansas State.
2: Yeah, and and you know, OU. I feel like as much of a situation where Oklahoma State lost to UCF, and hopefully that's a refocusing situation. I think the same thing happened to them during Bedlam. You saw him come out last week. Dylan Gabriel scored eight touchdowns. Um I think I think they probably roll these next two games. Uh, Kansas State's got some tough ones, man. Kansas and you say Iowa State? Is yeah. Right who they finish with? Mm-hmm. You two know, that's
0: three games finish the year for them. Yeah,
2: Farmageddon. That's a tough. That's a tough game. And then and then to make it even more complicated, as as Oklahoma State fans know, uh, Texas has to go to to Iowa State in a, in a night game in, in Ames, and that's that's not a gimme. And and Texas has, you know, obviously losing Jonathan Brooks to ACL. Uh, tear last week that's that's a big blow Uh, so you don't take those games for granted and that would just muddy the waters even further right so um, it would be nice if your Jayhawks would would uh, would help us out a little bit clear up the picture for the for the Cowboys but at the end of the day if what I saw on Saturday from Oklahoma State repeats itself then we'll be out of the picture anyways because we will lose one of the next two games so they've got they've got to take care of their own business before any of that other stuff even matters
0: you mentioned the, the the Texas situation with him losing Jonathan Brooks. Let, let me ask you about that and just for, for that situation for a moment here. You mentioned Iowa State and then a rivalry game against Texas Tech. Texas Tech's playing better football as of late. That's their, that's their bedlam. You know, that's their biggest game in a long time. They don't know when they're playing UT again and been hyping that up all season long. Texas hasn't played their best as of late. Could we see the Horns drop one uh, in these next couple of weeks? And they're playing for more than just a Big 12 title. They're still right in the thick of the college football playoff line.
2: Oh, I think absolutely. I think it's an absolute possibility. I mentioned going up to Ames and how difficult that is. We found that out in 2011. Uh, it's a tough place to play. Iowa State has got a very good defense, as they usually do. Uh, I've, I've been very impressed with their their young quarterback, Rocco Beck. He's He's been able to, to make a lot of plays, and they can run the football. So it's a tough matchup. And then you mentioned it that Texas Tech game and, and into the preseason on our podcast, I thought Texas Tech and Kansas State were probably going to be two of the better teams in the conference. I thought they were going to be up there with OU and Texas, the top four teams. We didn't see that from Texas Tech. They had a tough a tough non-conference schedule earlier that we talked about going up to Wyoming and then playing Oregon, who I think is one of the best teams in the country. Uh, and then they've had some some issues at quarterback. But you're right. This is a huge game for Texas Tech. They're going to approach it with the same mentality that we did uh, uh, against Oh, you and Bedlam! It's going to be a huge game. We know the preseason remarks from your Mark, where he was there and he said, "I hope you know, hope I'm handing you the trophy over Texas in week whatever." So uh, that's going to be a very, a very uh, charged atmosphere, and and I could absolutely see Texas dropping one of those two games. Well,
0: and you know, with Texas, it's interesting because we mentioned they're not playing the best football right now. Their final stretch with Iowa State, uh, you know, Texas Tech, and then the Big Twelve title game. There's not a, a big marquee win waiting for them as opposed to, you know, looking at – take example like Oregon, who's going to probably play Washington again, or Alabama mm-hmm. potentially playing Georgia in the SEC title game here. Could could we see a situation, Texas wins out and still gets left out of the uh, the playoff picture here, you think?
2: Man, that's a great question. I, I don't think so. I think that that, that Alabama win is going to carry enough weight. Um I think that they need Alabama to to continue to win, to make their win look even better, which is kind of backwards because they're competing against Alabama for that final spot. Uh, But this is, this is one of the ultimate scenarios that I've been looking forward to for years where you've got, you know, maybe a one loss or an undefeated, you know, Pac-12 championship team. You've got Michigan or Ohio state undefeated one of them with one loss. You've got Texas with one loss, Alabama with one loss, maybe maybe Georgia would have one loss obviously if, if Alabama won the, the, the SEC championship game then you've got Florida State that could be undefeated and it's like now what do you do and I've been wanting to see this for years to see you know how they how they filter through all of that but I think Texas has has probably the best win in the country right now obviously the game's got to be played with Michigan Ohio State and then you know, obviously the Alabama Georgia matchup in the SEC championship game, but um, I, I would be hard pressed. You know, some teams just, just when you talk about optics and brands, Texas is, is the biggest, right? And so right. for them to get left out, I would, I would be hard pressed to think that that would happen.
0: Well, and, and, you know, I look at this, Clint, you know, I'm no defender of Texas by any means, but just based on you mentioned optics here. Maybe they're not playing their best football, but it's a collective body of work. Just because that game against Alabama was in September shouldn't change anything. Maybe Sure, Alabama's playing great football as of late, but if that conversation to be had, we we can't ignore a 10-point win on the road like that. I mean, head-to-head still has to mean something. Why even play those non-conference games if you're not going to get credit for it?
2: Exactly, and that's and that's kind of the point with the, the Big Twelve, you know, clarification, right? Head to head has to matter at some point. If the teams actually played each other and one team won, then they 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 have to get credit for that, right? And especially on the road, like you mentioned, um, I think I think what what'll be interesting is the undefeated Florida State team. Do does the committee think that if Georgia loses in the SEC championship? Are they fully out because their loss is going to be against a very hot Alabama team and they've won 30 games in a row, whatever it's going to be. So I think I think whoever wins in the Pac-12, I think Oregon is a really dominant team. I think if they match up against Washington again, I think they win that game. Um, And then whatever happens, who knows what's going to happen with with the Big Ten in, in, in Michigan with with the sign stealing and all the distractions they're going through. So um I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm like you. I think that the Texas win car- should carry the most weight uh, so far in in the discussions of, of who should be in.
0: Let, uh, let me ask you about the new Big 12, uh, the new members that are coming in, the, uh, the four corner schools from the Pac-12. We've already seen the opponents listed, the uh, Matrix for the next few years. What's uh, what's your takeaways on just what the Big 12 is about to become and uh, the, the the schedule ahead? Uh, what's what's kind of your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. You know, getting a, a personality like Deion Sanders into the conference is is obviously huge. Uh, the, the the conferences have become about who can get the most eyeballs right, and that's a guy that draws a lot of eyeballs. Arizona, there's been a little bit of a resurgence there. Uh, they, they've, they've certainly been playing a lot of good football. They switched quarterbacks to the, the freshman, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, Arizona States trying to build something with Kenny Dillingham. We saw them earlier in the year. Uh, will be a team that's on the rebound and then you've got Utah who, um, you know, is, is probably going to try to come in and establish that dominance. I think they're the team that thinks, okay, we can, we can establish ourselves as the new OU or the new, new Texas, right? They've got the physicality. They've got the pedigree. They've got the coach and Kyle Winningham. So, uh, I, i'm super excited for it uh, I, I saw it described as uh, basically turning off the lights with with the teams in the room and having a knife fight and just whoever comes out is going to be the champion each year it's not going to be the same team it's just going to be you know whoever whoever happens to be the last one standing uh, and I, I think that's great i think what you're going to see and I, i've started to see it i saw a, a, a tweet about uh some message board comments from teams like you know not the big name teams of the other conferences but they're going to be at such a, such a disadvantage it's interesting to me i saw this comment it was from a minnesota fan and it's like this has just become an arms race and we are in a conference yeah we get a lot of money but we still can't compete with you know michigan penn state ohio state And it's like how much fun would it be for us if we were in the big 12 and we got to you know be a part of that knife fight and have a chance equal resources, competing against teams that are more on our levels. So I'll be interested to see if that sentiment grows, but I'm I'm super excited for the teams that we have coming into the Big 12.
0: Yeah, you look at Oklahoma State next year, you get Arizona State at home, uh, who they just finished up a two-game non-conference series with, <clears throat> Utah at home, Tech at home, West Virginia at home, road games at BYU, Baylor, Colorado, TCU, and K-State. That, that's a tough draw that Oklahoma State ended up getting for, for 2024 of their uh, first slate in the, uh, the new Big 12 here. I mean, that's I – mean, I'll be honest here. Those nine games, none of that looks easy. I mean, even Arizona State, credit Kenny Dillingham, they played a lot better football as of late there. I, I imagine they're going to take another step forward there next year.
2: Yeah, and that's what I mentioned, you know, regarding the non-conference and adding OU, add in our schedule. I think we start – um the the home and away with with Oregon either in 24 25 I believe uh so so you want to add an Oregon and that's that's I don't know if that's next year or not but and I actually I don't think it is but you add say say whoever it is I, I forget who we're playing non-conference next year but we've got you want to add OU to that and you want to add another power five uh team to that so yeah, I mean that that's the Arkansas, part that
0: Arkansas and TU uh, in South Dakota State are next year.
2: That's who it is. It's Arkansas next year and then the following year is Oregon. So you're gonna add Arkansas. So imagine if you take what you just read off, add Arkansas to it, and then add OU to it. But, I mean that's that's a schedule that you're lucky, you know to get above 500 on if you have a, if you have a, you know, an okay team, you've got to have a great team to get through that. But um, I'm very excited for, for Utah coming into town, obviously getting to travel to new places to, to BYU, to Colorado, you know, Colorado was a school that uh, I just missed. We had, we had, they had just left the conference right before I got there. So I never got to travel up there and, 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 and go to Boulder and see the campus and stuff. So um, I think all that stuff is really great for the fans, being able to travel and see these new, new schools and new places And uh, anytime you can get more eyeballs, like I mentioned, with a guy like Deion Sanders, I think it's going to be huge for the Big 12.
0: Well, you know, I know that one concern, uh, not just with Oklahoma State, but really just this new league as a whole is there's not a a ton of rivalries necessarily with a lot of, uh, you know, this league being made of a shotgun marriage of sorts. Um, Only four locked rivalries. Oklahoma State doesn't have one of the four. But, you know, some of the stuff, you know, in this post-Bedlam era, uh comes naturally and and a lot of it you know depending on some great games that happen or maybe there's conflict within the games that can occur here I know people have talked about Oklahoma State and Texas Tech but um that's not going to be an annual game necessarily uh Clint I mean the type of thing like rivalries you can't just uh manufacture we've seen that in some of these other leagues here I, I I think for Oklahoma State and others some of the stuff's just going to happen over time. Uh, something will develop here. Uh,
2: absolutely, you know, I was I was very shocked to see that that Oklahoma State didn't have a protected game against Texas Tech. One, I feel like the similarities between the schools. We've we've had some some great battles uh, within the last fifteen years. Uh, I, I was shocked to see that, and and also maybe even in that similar vein with Kansas State, two Ag schools, Kansas Oklahoma, obviously, you know share a border, a lot of fans right on the border between both schools that are in the agricultural side of things. So um, yeah, I was shocked to see that. I think like, like you mentioned, things will, will develop naturally. I felt like for years we had a, a, a really, a really good rivalry with Baylor. Um, and, and that's kind of gone to the way, wayside a little bit. Um, so those things pop up and it's fun to see, you know, new things emerge. I, I, I was really shocked to see that Kansas state, Iowa state wasn't protected as, as I think the longest yeah. running game in, 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 college football. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's sad to lose some of those things, but like you mentioned, some stuff's going to happen on the field and, and some stuff will happen, you know, with, with, with the personalities that are leading some of these teams, you know, it just takes one or two things being said and then it becomes a huge game. So, uh, I'm looking forward to kind of the, you know, the chaos of all of it. Yeah.
0: I mean, it only takes a couple of comments from, you know, coach prime, uh, <laughs> right. or we or coach have coach Gundy or, or you know, now. any
2: of them. Yeah. Right.
0: Exactly. Um, last thing, and then, then we'll end on this. Uh, you know, I think this year would have been – you mentioned you love the chaos going on with the playoff. This year would have been a great year for this 12-team playoff. In you know, the Big 12's case, you're always going to have a team there, but a little bit of wiggle room of some sorts. We have so many good programs now, the, the Utah's, Oklahoma State's, Kansas State's, Baylor's of the world. Um, the pressure to win this league kind of – I think dies down a little bit because you can probably be a one loss or maybe even two loss big 12 team in this new format and still have a decent chance of uh, making the playoff going forward here.
2: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think you've positioned yourself uh, brilliantly from, from, you know, maybe not the conference that has the, the Georgia's, the Alabama's or the Michigan's Ohio States, but from top to bottom, it's hard to argue that it's not the, not going to be the best, best league i mean i mean certainly obviously the pac 12 is going away but above the acc you know florida state regains dominance they'll have a top heavy team but i think the the fun is going to be in year to year when you get those great tcu teams like you saw last year or two years ago with oklahoma state uh and and then you can you know parlay that into maybe one or two teams like last year with kansas state as well um getting into the playoff with with the 12 teams the expansion i think is going to be great for a conference uh like the big 12 i think I think you're going to be be locked into that one team, and then when you get that opportunity to have a team that makes it through that gauntlet, like you, you listed for Oklahoma State, if you make it through that and you have one loss, then you'll be in. So I think that's going to be the fun part.
0: Well, and, uh, plug away before we go. Uh, what you got going on with the OSU Radio Network, podcasts podcast, all that stuff, where can people uh, follow along?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, so our podcast is called The Old Poke Show. It's on the OSU Max Network. Uh, it's on all – it's on youtube through the osu max system it's on uh anywhere you get your podcast so uh check us out it, it's mainly it's primarily oklahoma state stuff but we do have on uh we try to get a guest on from another school whether it's a reporter or beat writer to give give people a breakdown of, of the team that we're about to play so um, yeah if you wouldn't mind give us a, a listen check us out we we, uh, we try to bring some good content each week awesome stuff
0: clint appreciate the time as always my friend we'll uh Catch up soon. Let's get some more barbecue in T-Town or something soon, man.
2: Yeah, man. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
0: Final segment before we go. It's our Tom Fullery story of the week. Thomas Bridges standing by with something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, you and I were talking in the lead up to this segment that there were several options of what
1: could have been
0: the Tom Fullery story of the week this week, but there can only be one true Tom Fullery story. What is it? There can only
1: be one. Jones are coming in the holiday season. and A lot of people take vacations, little family vacations. Uh, thank God I don't have any kids uh, or a wife to have to take to one of these places, like I'm about to mention. Um, but we're going to Chicago's very own WGN9. Um, not not in Chicago there. There's two places here in the U.S., one in California and one in Florida. Jones, very interested considering that you grew up sometime in Oregon. You wouldn't have been too terribly far from Anaheim, California, where Disney's Disneyland would be. I've been to uh, Anaheim a couple times, yeah. Have you been to Disneyland
0: um, so as a broke college kid, uh, who I was just telling you actually earlier about a uh infamous visit to uh Anaheim uh before the show, actually. Oh, yeah, somebody I knew it was on that trip actually that uh, my broke ass did not want to, me and along with other college kids, did not want to pay to go to Disney. So we hung out at downtown Disney outside the park there and just drank.
1: You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely fair. I went as, uh, the summer before I went into eighth grade, went to universal there in Anaheim and exactly universal and, uh, in Disneyland. I've not been to Disney world in Orlando. Uh, but Jones, we're going to go there for Tom fullery. Um, you know, I just read a Reddit thread about casino guests that, uh, a lot of, you know, workers there at the casino say that, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the guests at the casinos, they sit in those, uh, slot machine chairs and they think they're going to win or they don't want to get up for the machine. And so they, they poop and pee in the seat, um, Different kind of uh, gambling here when you go to Disneyland, Disney World. A lot of people, probably especially after COVID, are probably going. You're waiting in line for Space Mountain. Uh, You don't want to, if you need to go to the bathroom, you don't want to get out of line. Some of those lines can be super long. And Jones, that has to do with this. Uh, This is filed under Weird News from, like I said, Chicago's very own WGN9. Disney guests poop while waiting in line for rides, ex-employees say. Article goes, some Disney Park fans have seemingly taken to say, when you gotta go, you gotta go to the extreme. A Disney Parks urban legend claiming that park guests poop while standing in line for rides is apparently true, San Francisco Gate reported. Two former Disneyland custodial team workers, known as cast members, Yeah, you could just see Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse cleaning up a turd. That'd be great. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You just see Donald Duck just bitching the whole time, cleaning up a turd that rolled out of someone's pant leg. Uh, Wrote about the unsavory topic in their 2015 book, Cleaning the Kingdom, Insider Tales of Keeping Walt Disney's Dream Spotless. In the chapter, Disgusting Things. This sounds like a hell of a book. In the chapter Disgusting Things, authors Ken Pellman and Lynn Barron share details about such instances. They describe how these incidents have occurred all over the theme park, most notably in the standby queue for the Indiana Jones adventure. Yeah, that's a boulder I wouldn't want to see coming down the way. Uh, while standing in this particular queue, many guests think the restrooms are far away, but that isn't the case. There is a pair of individual use restrooms just backstage from the North unload. That sounds like some Disney speak. It is mainly for cast members, but guests could and did use it. The book said a woman who did not know this burst into the control room for the attraction and deposited her gift right there. I did not have to clean up that one. though I was working in there that day, said uh, old Ken Pellman. Uh, when these incidents occurred across the park, it was known as a human code H, according to the books, glossary section, social media users on Reddit took to the site to vent about their experience with such incidences. I am in the queue for the rise of resistance. (laughs) (laughs) Someone let their kid take a dump on the floor and then they just walked out of there and left WTF. One user shared in the Walt Disney Reddit forum. Bodily fluids no longer bother me after working at Disney. Let's just say that the attraction I work at has what co- what the cast has ended up dubbing the poop hall because of the amount of get- times guests have gone in there and pooped. We even put up a camera and it didn't stop. <laughs> Another user had shared. It's recommended for guests to use the bathroom before they enter a long standby line for an attraction. Jones You're in line for Space Mountain and you've been in line for 45 minutes. Okay. And you've got like maybe three more cycles to go before you're getting on the ride. And you get a feeling in your gut that you're like, well, do I trust a shark? A potential shark? Are you trusting the fart and getting on the ride? Or are you giving up you know, you're, you've been waiting in line for 45 minutes. If you get out of line and go to the bathroom for a potential, just fart, you're going to have to go back to the end of the line and start back with maybe an hour wait. Are you, uh, are you trusting the fart? Are you going with it? Are you getting out of line?
0: You know, I, I think Tom, this, this comes down to confidence and experience and, you know, are you ready for the moment when your name gets called can you, can you be a big-time player and make a big-time play in a big-time moment? And as an experienced pooper, um, I know when it's a fart and when it's a shit. And I, I got to tell you, I am one, Tom. I, uh, I never poop in a public setting. Uh, I will uh, go before I go to work, and I'll do it when I get home but I will not do that in public. And so I believe that I could trust my bladder to hold it in and to not have to have that problem and be okay and take care of things later on. Now I'll say this, I do drink a lot of water. So I do piss from time to time, probably more than I would like. I would would like to not have to get up and use the bathroom as much uh, in the middle of the night sometimes, but that's uh that's by my own choice of uh, of being good and drinking water. So I'd say I'd say I I have confidence in myself that when, you know, when the ball when Mickey Mouse in this case passes me the ball, I, I'm ready to take that last shot. I'm holding it uh,
1: to get on that ride. So you're getting on the you're getting on the Space Mountain only to turn Space Mountain into Splash Mountain. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, I think, I don't think I would trust a fart. You know, when you, when you get over 30, like, uh, old people, Jones, uh, to be fair, I've been 30 for over two years now, just turning 31. Uh, and I haven't had a short incident. I don't, I can't remember the last short incident to be honest. So I'm proud of myself, but, uh you know if i'm in a disney park at my age which let's be real jones neither of us have kids we don't have a wife or anything it would be a little weird for us to not be in disney uh without maybe like a beer in hand of sorts and i know if i had to go into disney world or disneyland by myself now I think I would have to have a beer in hand because there would be too many little kids running around. I'd be like, okay, I can't handle this. I don't want you know, to deal with this.
0: If if you go in, first off, going to Disney without kids uh, is a little, a little weird. weird. Um, you know, like I said, the last time I went, I, I was a college kid. I think that's acceptable. I was with other college kids. You uh, can't go alone. Right. I think that was like the cutoff, you know, of, of when you, go as an adult without children is, is college age. Um, that was last time. And with, with that said, I think that you, if you do not have children, you just to be able to survive and, you know, take on the, the birth control of sorts of, of that place, uh, you have to have alcohol in hand. I, I, I don't know how else you could get, get out and get through that place.
1: Well, and then imagine you just go by yourself or you're just like a single male and you're you know almost thirty and you go by yourself. And then imagine you shit yourself in the park. Like that would make it all time worse. So I this is leads to somewhat of a different discussion as well of like places that single males can go by themselves and not feel a little bit weird, like so for one, so mentioned- Disney really doesn't do it for me. If I was going to have to pick, I would definitely go to Universal. I Haven't been both still, and that was when I was in eighth grade. Universal was way cooler. So um, now you have like I the Harry it, Potter stuff.
0: Here's something that that I've had an issue with. Um, friend of the show, my one of my other co-hosts on this on the Studio Soapbox, Network, Dominic Aragon, uh, on uh, Let's Go Racing. Uh, a couple years ago for Christmas, he uh, he and his now wife at the time, being funny as like a gag gift of sorts, they gave me for Christmas a twenty five dollar Chuck E Cheese gift card, <laughs> and to this day I have mm-hmm. not used said gift card because I, I've been debating like when am I going to find an excuse to go to a Chuck E Cheese.
1: And spend $25. Well, the pizza's not even good. I I haven't even had the pizza in years, but I know it's not good. And do I even
0: want to eat the pizza? Like, what have they done to the pizza there at the Chuck E. Cheese for the,
1: you know, $9 an hour employee? Yeah, Yeah, you never know. And, you know, now the Domino's has the emergency pizza. You don't even need to order it. I mean, okay. Chuck E. Cheese definitely doesn't deliver. What time does Chuck E. Cheese even stay? I got to see that. I'm going to say 8 o'clock, Chuck E. Cheese closed. There's no way they're open later.
0: And with $25, like, I think if I were to justify it, I might as well go all in. I need to go kick some kids' ass and Skee Bowl.
1: 11 a.m. to 9. Let's look at the Dallas hours. Maybe you can go this weekend. Um, see like that Jones and then what I hate so the one on Montfort Street or Westmoreland Road Westmoreland Road looks like it's probably closer to you 11am to 9pm you could go and spend your $25 but that's another thing too like you can't go like if it's the last ride of the day and I'm there and I gotta pee and I'm like okay I'm in line and I haven't ridden space mountain yet for the day. And it's the last ride before I go. And I got to pee real bad. And it's a 50 50. If I get a little, if I pee a little bit or not, and I'm leaving the next morning, not coming back there, I'm probably getting on space mountain and holding it for dear life. Uh, And if it happens, it happens. But another weird thing though, about it, like, do you feel like that? that uh you know single men just in general if you're not with anybody and you wanted let's say if you were on a trip by yourself and you wanted to go let's say if you went to san diego world renowned zoo would you feel weird going by yourself yes see i just moved to san antonio don't really know anybody heard the zoo here is pretty cool love a good zoo love a good aquarium Really love a good aquarium. Um, Can't really just go by myself. That'd be a little weird, would it not? Yeah. If I'm just walking around the zoo as a 31 year old, just saying, well, yeah, I'm just looking at the fucking flamingos. I mean, maybe, maybe if you wanted just a hot single mom, like maybe that's the spot. Maybe, you know, but. I myself, I don't know if I'm brave enough to uh, to uh, take on that encounter. Um, but for any of you people out there listening that are just brave enough to go to the zoo by yourself, that don't have kids uh, and you're not with anybody else, more power to you. Uh, maybe that's my own Tom Fuller in insecurity talking. But and
0: and um, the females out there, you know, single females that want somebody to go to the zoo with. Thomas and I are are willing.
1: Um I'll we go can... to the zoo, I'll go to the aquarium. Yeah, just don't make me push your kid's stroller and we'll call it a day.
0: Well, yeah, no no kids or the kids aren't coming. Um you
1: can <laughs> fuck them kids.
0: <laughs> you can have kids, but they're not coming to the zoo, you know. They're not
1: a... coming to the zoo. I'll pay for a future admission for them, but
0: They can they can call me daddy, but not uh Oh god. <laughs>
1: You know, like that's, that's, they're not coming to the zoo that day. Tell right. them just ship them to their dad's house.
0: Yeah, you're you're gonna tell. Uh, I'm gonna tell that girl. You're gonna hear me roar.
1: Um. Yeah. Oh my god. Put uh, you. You'd be the guy that jump in. You'd be the next uh, Harambe incident. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, real quick. As far as like holding it in, uh, Tom, I have a a standard when you know me. I, I love a good road trip uh for me I'm very efficient with the stops I make. I feel like every if if I have to pull over to piss, get food or gas within a four hour stretch, I'm wasting time. like it's got to be four hours between using the bathroom, getting food or using the ba- or or getting gas like the the
1: no if it's less than that then we're behind schedule like we're wasting time. I'm with you. Uh, Take, for example, my last trip back and forth to uh, Oklahoma and San, San Antonio. I didn't get gas on the way out of San Antonio. I left with like a half tank or whatever. I stopped in Waco and got gas and I peed on the way to Stillwater for the Bedlam game. Peed at the gas station, whatever time that was. I didn't get out of the car or stop to pee until I got to Stillwater and parked. And then on the way home, I left Bartlesville, left my parents' house, got gas, went inside, peed, got a drink real quick. I didn't stop again until I had to get gas in Waco, peed, and get and didn't get back to my house and pee until I got back to my house in San Antonio. The most efficient I mean, you have to be efficient or you lose time. Yeah. Until you until you roll with the old folk like my dad, where you know for example what last not this summer but the past summer we uh we drove to uh like denver colorado area and we must have stopped like 10 times because he had to pee we even stopped on the highway on an off ramp because he was like i can't hold it you got to let me out right here and so we stopped he got off on a little off ramp area and peed right outside i mean
0: and you know tom he uh when I when I was in college, he convinced me that I did not need to go down the hall to the uh, the, mul- the 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 community bathroom. He's like, just keep a bottle by your bed. Uh, there you go. And you know, if I'm driving by myself, if no one else is there, <laughs> and I got an empty bottle there, I have perfected the art, Tom, of putting the car in cruise control doing my business and keep on trucking along you're just letting it ride in the bottle are you yep and no spillage nothing like we're good like i i've got that figured out i I have pissed in my car in a bottle more times than one
1: yeah see you're a recycler you you know you 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 don't believe in single-use plastics
0: you know like i mean i i would say that that's an athletic skill like I, i might you know, have some type of entry into the next David Starr Racing School. Like, hey, here's how you piss and put the car in cruise control and not miss any time.
1: Yeah, let's see. There you go. That we need it. That needs to be the next uh, topic on Let's Go Racing now. Where that it's a NASCAR off season. How many times has he ever pooped in the fire suit? How many times does he pee in the fire shooter race? Oh, we've asked him this. He claims he's never done it before. Listen, he's got to have at least one
0: time. There's no way. My favorite this is Sports Center commercial. One of my favorites is the time that Kevin <laughs> just stops and looks at the waterfall.
1: Yeah, and, everyone, yeah. and then just is kind of like, ah, and then keeps walking.
0: He, he, he tells the guys, he's like, I'm going to need a minute. Here, hold on, guys. And he's just stopping and looking at it, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah, if you ever see a kid that's swimming a bunch in a pool and then just all of a sudden stops and gets quiet, get out of the pool.
0: Now that Kevin Harvick's moving to the booth next year, that, now that he's retired, I wonder if he's going to be like, yeah, guys, I, I, I don't need to go to the bathroom during the broadcast. Like,
1: I'm, I'm good right here. I'm good. He just stops talking for a second mid sentence.
0: <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, Clint Boyer, what do you think, man?"
1: Yeah, zones out, comes back to, and he's like, "All right, sorry guys." Right. <laughs> what a what a every, that's why I love the the Tom Fuller is not in the story. It's it's really at the end on how we got there. It's kind of like the the saying, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't the story long all along. It was the friends we made along the way. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's the topics we get to along the way before we end the show that really make Tom Fullery. Yeah. I would I would not thought about talking about pissing myself uh you know anywhere else but Disney
0: or or Kevin Harvick pissing
1: himself like the fact we got to that point, you know. I mean, exactly. Uh, we always will find a way to put NASCAR in this show by god. And never really actually talk about NASCAR either. Um, <laughs> the references, you know, yeah.
0: Um, with that said, what a what a what a fun show we had here today. Um, you know, I'm hearing a lot of people use the term "out of pocket" these days, Tom. Like we were out of pocket before that was even a term. That's what Tom Fullery has been from day one.
1: Yeah, we we were kind of like women's pants, no pockets. There was no pocket to even be out of pocket with with us. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, big thanks, to Clint Shell, for joining us. Uh, best of luck to his Cowboys uh, in their Big 12 title race. Check him out on the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboy Radio Network. Um, and uh, big thanks to you, the listener, for joining us as well. Subscribe to the Jones Support New episodes out each and every week. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to podcasts. Check us out there. Uh, also... Social media, Facebook.com, uh, Tyler Jones Live, Twitter, Tyler Jones Live, uh, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones Live. You can find us there. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. Poor Clint Shell our entire crew of Tyler Jones, sing so long. It's been another news from Jones, but we'll see you next week.